Okay. She pooped fast because it's raining and cold outside. So <laughs> she did not want to be outside. So that always makes me poop slower. Like, tense up. Squatting uh, in the rain. Yep. That's the only way. All natural, baby. Hello and welcome to this episode 101 of Gaming Fix on December 21st, 2019. Uh, happy holidays to you all, uh, whatever you celebrate. Uh, Christmas is coming up. That's what I celebrate. Merry Christmas to Alex and Pat, both joining me today. The, uh, at the same time, you guys got to figure it out. You could battle to the death. Who gets to go first? Merry Christmas, Andre. Oh, thank uh, you. Say, uh, Merry Meat to anybody celebrating Solstice today. Oh, yeah. There's okay. no joke there. That's just a genuine happy holidays. Okay. Also, uh, we are on episode five. Hell yeah. What? What? Because binary one zero one. Oh, okay. Well, uh, no, we, uh, we prestiged and actually this should be episode <laughs> one now. Um, you're right. But uh, instead, I do, I do need to inquire, uh, what is your favorite Christmas video game? Or holiday, like winter holiday video game. Oh, God. Like to play or themed around it? Uh, Either one. You choose your favorite. Mm. You can take that however you want. I would say back in the day, like I played a Quake 2 mod that was all Christmassy. Okay. And maybe a Quake 3 mod, but I I mostly remember the Quake 2. All right. Probably that. Uh, I have heard that Death Stranding has placed Santa hats on all of the, like, the preppers. Yep. Ah, very nice. Yep. I don't know. That's a tough question. I like um, games that have, uh, I like to play games that have snow in them when it is cold outside. Like snowy, where you're trudging around in the snow a lot. So um, for a while that was uh, Skyrim, but I've kind of... Uh, wrung out the uh the Mm -hmm. the the enjoyment out of that game by i've played that game a lot so i'm not sure what i would play in its place um viscera cleanup detail this the santa one (laughs) there's a santa one in that yeah there is it's bad that game is all around bad it's not a good game in my opinion people seem to love it i don't understand why i think that game is terrible i mean it's a good gag it's funny the it's a good gag for sure I think the developers know exactly what they made and like they deserve the success that they got out of it. But also it's not like a game yeah. you should want to play. It came it's like out, $4. So it came out at a time like with like surgeon simulator and like a lot of those physics-y simulator simulation. Yeah. Like was like middling games that are based that are just entirely like sold on the premise of the joke and not yeah. on the merit of the game itself. And they're all sold for like between five and $10. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. It's, there's no $60 like, Oh my God, I can't believe I spent money on this thing. But it's, yeah, no, it's We uh, have kind of gotten out of that time period. Uh, there's a few yeah. of those. Yeah. No, like I mean, what? there's a lot of things like, on steam. So like $60, I don't know if I should have spent that on this game. Oh, well, there's plenty of those. I mean, there's always that, but there's no, like, that kind of game, like that 
weird yeah, the, like the joke me, game the, yeah, the joke game yeah. is like uh, it still kind of exists i don't know does a dump in the dark fall into that oh yes no that game is great should it, i mean should it could be, be a great great okay, and well, a joke game uh when i was a kid i had the grinch game for playstation one and i played that a lot mm. Uh, I like really, a, really like deeply love that Toy Story game from like the PS one uh, era, and I can't remember. There might be a Christmas part in that. Uh, Kingdom Hearts possibly. has to have something Christmasy or holiday. Uh, right? Night, Nightmare Before I mean, Christmas. You, you go to f- yeah. There's Nightmare Before. Yeah, sure. Yes, yes. In that case, um, yeah, one of the and ones then, where you go to Nightmare Before Christmas. And then Kingdom Hearts 2, you go to Nightmare Before Christmas, then you actually go to the North Pole. You go Pole. to Christmas Town. Yeah, that's... I, I I like Kingdom Hearts 2 a lot less than um, some of the other games. A lot less is not fair. But I'm not as... Most Kingdom Hearts fans, I think, would say Kingdom Hearts 2 is their favorite. It's the best um, in the series. I don't agree. Um, it is still a great game, but I don't agree that it's the best. However... Um, that Nightmare Before Christmas sequence is extremely good. So, yeah, you go to Frozen in Kingdom Hearts three, and it's it's great. Man, yep. totally unrelated. But I woke up with fucking Mambo Number Five stuck in my head. Uh, what about Disney Number Five? Disney. So what? there's a a little bit of Minnie in my life. Speaking of songs, a little to get bit of st- Daisy by my <laughs> side. <laughs> speaking of songs that get stuck in your head. Um, not quite the same, but I would say of a similar caliber. Um, there's a Twitter account called Catatonic Youths that, uh-huh. if you have, if you like to like damage your psyche with horrible things on the internet, you should probably follow. Okay, that just shares Sold. like absolute like garbage um, music video clips from like real mostly from like really terrible screamo bands and like really awful metalcore bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and uh one of the clips they shared was like home video style footage of like 25 white dudes at like a rec center or something doing an acapella version of cute without the e. Oh Jesus, no. <laughs> So I listened wow. to that song yesterday because that did get it stuck in my head, even though <laughs> their performance. You, you had to get the bad version atrocious. out. I don't know that there's a good version I, I, of that yeah, song. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, you had, I even like some Taking Back version. Sunday, but that's, that's about as bad as Taking Back Sunday gets. Yeah. If you're a listener, if you're... if you're wondering what the hell is going on, it's it's a slow week for video games. Uh We've we've played some stuff, but there's just not there's not a whole lot going on in the world of games this week. It's right before Christmas. Everyone's going on vacation, so there's no, no news really. Every developer they, goes on vacation this time of year. It's it's fact. But you know what is going on, Andre? No, nobody puts out news this time of year. No, that's true. But Andre, there is something going on. Something uh, they that, nerfed two B's butt. Well, they did that, but also something that ends on December twenty third at eleven fifty nine p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, yeah, the world. Uh, it's been nice <laughs> knowing you all. Uh, and exactly. No, uh, this. I wish I could do like a like a loud woo. Like yeah, a, no, like I, a I Ben Pack, like I a Ben Pack woo. Right I would welcome now. the end of the world. Um, no, uh, that is the end of our uh, holiday giveaway uh, over on Twitter. 
where you can enter to win like one of 20 games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 20 games. Uh, we've got stuff like what the golf, uh, resident evil Two, control mech warrior five, all sorts of games from this year. And like the last two years, I think, you know, 2017 till now, uh, on PC, there is one PS4 game in that giveaway. If you are so inclined to enter, you can head over to our Twitter, uh, which is at fix podcasts, or you can go to fix dot space, slash contest, or you can send us an email at gaming at fix dot space and either send a picture of Jeff Keeley's butt or tell us what your most un- underappreciated game of the 2010s is. Oh, yeah. Or what you think the most underappreciated game of the 2010s is, not the game that you appreciate the least or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know uh, it's good, I just don't... Or send us the game what? you appreciate yeah. the least, that's you fine. I, I mean, that. it could be that. Like, that's I know, totally allowed. It's also pretty funny, so yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't like Minecraft, but like, it's important. Uh, yeah, so, you know, if you want to get into that, uh, it's you got until midnight, December 23rd, to do that the night of the 23rd not like the morning or whatever yeah Uh, so yeah go ahead and do that and we'll get you uh we'll get you some games there on the 24th or whenever you get back to us after we contact you uh so uh with that now we're gonna get into the show proper and alex is gonna tell us about his favorite taking back sunday song oh no no i'm not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is not happening. No, I want to no, make it no. clear. I want to make it clear. I like Taking Back Sunday. I like pop punk. I like the genre. I like the time period. There are other bands that I like more in that genre. Just that song is fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> and you, it has you, not aged well. You, I think Pat. Punch Up the Jam did a an episode about it. It's catchy. It's bad. Pat, you are so last summer. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, And I will say that motion, they're not exactly pop punk because they're more just pop than punk, but Motion City Soundtrack is the best band, like pop band to come out of that era. uh, And everyone should listen to them um, because they're the best. Anyway. All right. Yeah, back did on. Did you play a video uh, game, Alex? Is that Oct- what happened? October 10th, Punch Up the Jam did Cute Without the E. Man, that might be the thing that gets me to that show. <laughs> yeah. I played lots of video games. Oh, that's good. I didn't. <laughs> I played one video game kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have two that are completed. Uh, let's talk about the one you guys haven't played first, I guess, just to get that out of the way. Yeah. So I haven't um, played two of these, so... Yeah, but from the ones I've played. Oh, wait. Yeah. I don't even know what no, your list is, so I'm excited. Oh, okay. Well, the one I've completed is one called Watam. And I think that's, oh, yeah. one, that's one we've been hearing about for quite some time. Uh, it is the new game from famed creator Keita Takahashi, maker of such games as Katamari and Nobi Nobi Boy. Which, by the way, I only recently found out Nobi Nobi Boy took like seven years for people to actually finish. Mm-hmm. Like that was reach, the game where the they like you had to go like into space. Girl had girl. to like switch, she had to stretch had to stretch to the Pluto. Yeah, and then she and then she reached and then Pluto. She, yeah, she yeah. had to loop back. So that's yeah. why it took an extra couple of years. And I watched the ending, and it's actually really really adorable. Oh yeah, he's okay. a phenomenal like artist. 
Yeah. Uh, it was great. And I don't just mean in terms of like visual art, but like art in terms of like conveying emotion and story with, with visual art. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, that brings us to Wadham, which is very much in his style. Like you look at the characters and you're like, yep, that looks like a Takahashi character. And yeah. you, you listen to the soundtrack and it's the same. Uh, I think it's his wife that does the music and she did it for Nobi Nobi Boy as well. Mm-hmm. So, so if you've played Nobi Nobi Boy, it sounds like really similar. Yeah. Uh, it, it is similar to Nobi Nobi Boy in that you start on like that like flat pl- like island plane block thing and then you're just kind of confined to there and then eventually you move around and do some other stuff. But yeah, um, if you're not familiar with the game, if you haven't heard anything about it, essentially what happens is you play a character at the start and then you make friends and then you can switch to any of those friends. And uh, as the game progresses, you get more and more friends and then more and more like areas start showing up as well. So uh, that's the very short version. It's a very short game, so... Uh, it's like two and a half hours is what it took me to finish. I think that's the thing that is what's holding me back from wanting to pick it up because like I'm not super in love with the gameplay concepts, but like the stuff that I have seen happen are very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so like, we watched the giant bomb quick look last night and we're just like cracking up because there's the, there's like, uh, I don't want to spoil it for people who are trying to not be spoiled, but um, there's a sequence in the game where poop is very prominent. Oh yeah. And it was extremely funny. Um, and uh, the little poops like raising their arms in the air and getting excited about being flushed in the toilet. Yep. Um, extremely then funny. Then they turn gold. Yes. And then they have to make a poop stack. It's, yep. It's very good. Um, but I also like that was like 10 minutes of it that I really enjoyed and thought was funny. And knowing that it's like pretty short, it's kind of like, mm, I don't know that I would enjoy. Like, I don't know that that uh, if it's two and a half hours of kind of gags like that, that's not really what I'm looking for. But I also am very glad that it finally came out and that like it's what people wanted, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would say that it's not super gaggy. Like there are some more gags that are pretty funny as you go along. Uh, but surprisingly, it ends up having a pretty good story, which is yeah, not, what, not, what, I not what I was expecting. But it actually I'm not does. surprised. I think Katamari does as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was really neat. Um I'll say sometimes the controls are absolutely fucking terrible. Uh, like, yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, like when you're trying to do stuff like hold hands with other friends and stuff like that, like it just does not control well. And like, and unfortunately for me, it does have moments of like being kind of fetch questy or like busy worky, where it's like, oh, I see exactly what I need to do. This is just going to take time. It's not hard. So that was a little yeah. like, eh. But overall, I think it's really, really good. Um, and really charming and funny and like surprisingly emotionally poignant by the end. Mm-hmm. But also it's two and a half hours and 20 bucks. So there's like... Yeah, I, that it, part doesn't really bother me. I mean, it clearly a lot of love and, and work went into refining that, is, that style and stuff. So. That, is, that is true. Like It is definitely super stylish. And yeah. 
Like I liked pretty much every minute with it. I bet you it's better than it's a better two and a half hours than watching Star Wars, which I ended up paying around twenty five dollars for after buying a drink. Yeah, yeah. You know that's probably that's totally fair. That's yeah. How many put it like that? How many golden poops were in Star Wars? None. Uh, the, it's the whole movie was. There's no poop in that in, in this particular Star Wars. There is no poop. Oh yeah, there is poop in another one though. Oh yeah, there's it's, it's the poop shows up. Yeah, it's the whole screen. It's it's the whole reel. <laughs> is the doo doo. I enjoyed Star Wars, but I bet that what Tom is more enjoyable. Oh, I mean, sometimes you got a hundred turds on. You got infinite turds on infinite reels, and one of them's bound to be somewhat appealing that's that how that phrase goes right yeah that turn of phrase the famous one um yeah yeah but i don't know uh i don't want to say a lot about water because it is so short and yeah it, it, but it, it's a hundred percent worth playing if it seems like something that might appeal to you yeah it seems like a phenomenal game to play with kids too like if you oh, have yeah. And again, you know, this has been echoed by other people too, but I don't mean that isn't like, it seems like a kid's game. It's just, it looks like a, the kind of game that would delight, like it, the, the part of you that it taps into anyway is the part of you that likes like kind of childish in the good way stuff. Um, and it seems like like a kid would get a lot out of it. And so playing it with a child would be um, an enjoyable thing because you get to see the kid's reaction to it and stuff. Totally. Like, honestly, that is one of the most appealing things about it is that it has that kind of childlike wonderment. Like, exactly. that, that, yeah. that whimsy is always around, like, right. the entire yeah. time, which is really awesome. Like, you don't get that very much anymore. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it never takes itself too seriously. Yeah. I feel like the Lego games used to have that before the Lego started talking. And then that kind of, yeah. they went from being, they went from being kind of whimsical and to being more like, oh, this is like a cartoon now. Which is fine. I mean, they're still good, but like they stopped having to convey everything through like motion and motion and action and then just could use the language as a crutch sort of. Yeah. I think um, one thing that it makes me that Wadham makes me think about um, is the concept. And obviously there have been plenty of games that would this would apply to, but Somebody should figure out a way um, in a way that isn't weird, because I think it would be weird for a lot of places to do this. But I would love it if and I and if Giant Bomb did this, for example, I would totally buy the game on my own anyway to support it. But like I would what I would love to do is watch like um, Alex, Vinny and Abby play through or Alex, uh, Dan and Abby play through the whole game instead of just doing like the first 20 minutes and a quick look. Um, And it, and somebody should figure out uh, maybe it's Google with stadia. Maybe it's Epic. I don't know. Someone should figure out a way to like sell you like, Hey, buy the game and get this exclusive. Let's play when you buy it. That comes from such and such content creator. Um, Obviously that would get weird because it's like a site like giant bomb is also does some, games crit and so for them to get a paycheck from the publisher of the game for doing a let's play is weird um but i think that would be like a cool way to encourage people to purchase games that would normally just watch it be played and then not purchase it yeah um 
I think for like certain indie projects and stuff that that could be really cool. Yeah, especially short games. Like I remember some, exactly. Yeah. Like someone telling me, Oh, I never played Florence, but I watched a let's play of it. And I'm like, well, Florence is like half an hour long and like, you should definitely play that. Like, yeah. And so. you should purchase games when you watch them played like that. Um, it's one thing if you're watching, if it's like a huge publisher game, I don't think that's as big a deal, but, or like, so like, for example, like if I could director's commentary is certainly a thing in some games, but like, if I could watch like Chris Remo and um, uh, trying to think who would make sense to play like gone home through together and talk about it while they're playing and do like commentary, but not commentary. I think there is a commentary track in gone home, but you still have to like play it yourself. I would love yeah. it if I could just sit back and watch them play through it. Um, mm. Yeah. So I don't know. So yeah, Wadham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, sorry, that's a tangent, but yeah, for for fans of Katamari, Nobi Nobi Boy, and let's say Cargo, A Quest for Gravity, it's got okay. some, it's right. some and stuff. Steve Gaynor would be the person I would want to watch play. Oh yeah, talk about it. But, yeah, um, one of the other games I touched, I have not finished. Uh, it's still in the process of being finished. Is one called Raging Loop. And oh yeah. It's not finished. Well, I have not finished it. I oh, have, yeah, okay. I have okay. not. I have not ah. reached the end of it. I've heard some stuff about that game. Yeah, I'm. I have as well, and I want to make sure I got to it before game of the year because that's yeah. in, that's in two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm um, done. I gave up. I'm, mm. Yeah, I, I've I've said in our chat that I've pretty much come to the conclusion that I'm probably not going to finish Death Stranding, and instead yeah. going to try and finish stuff that does not have representation. I'm loving Death Stranding, and I would rather just play it at my own pace. And there are, exactly. There are th- there, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. There's some stuff that I'm like, I don't really want to be spoiled, but at the same time, like, uh, oh, I'm not gonna be spoiled. I'm just gonna trust Andre to make decisions <laughs> about that game and where it falls in certain award categories. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You will have played both the games that I think could be my picks for best story, uh, and I have a feeling that if De- I do not, well, I don't want to tangent again, but I do not think that Death Stranding is going to beat out. Disco Elysium for me for <laughs> best story. I would be shocked. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, at but this yeah. point I don't think so. But but yeah, Raging Loop is it's a visual novel, so that's probably not unexpected for something I brought. But it's also really interesting. It's very nine 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 AI. Yeah, in, in that it has a um, like a flowchart in that you can like you know go to various points of the story, make choices. You collect keys that open like other points of the flowchart. Etc. So it has that kind of thing going for it, mm-hmm. but it also takes inspiration from board games like Mafia and Werewolf yeah, and stuff like that's that. That's the thing that I thought sounded really interesting about it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of got that board game like yeah like like the Mafia Werewolf heritage, mm-hmm. and they actually call those games out right in the intro. Yeah, which is interesting. So I'm only like 45 minutes into it, so it's like a 20 20 plus hour game. So I'm Jeez. not far <laughs> enough into it. yeah. See, that's why I'm spending my time with this instead of. Death Stranding to yeah, see, see yeah. how it goes, but yeah, sure. Um, it's I have to say the art is like surprisingly fantastic, <laughs> like the character yeah. art and everything like that, and all the CGs they're really nice. Uh, and the writing has been extremely well localized so far. So like all the, the it, pretty much everything is spoken with voice, and it's all in Japanese, and there's no option for English, which is fine. But the localized English in the text is like spot on. That's good because that was one of the things that I that looked 
like it could be questionable about it from the very little bit that I saw. Um, so that's good to hear. Yeah, it's been totally fine. Like it's been good. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll just leave that there because I haven't gotten far enough into it to really have opinions on the story. But the 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 setup has been interesting so far. Cool. Yeah. But one that I did finish is one that you also did finish, and Andre's in more or less the middle of. Yeah, uh, in early middle, I, I think. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and that's Disco Elysium. Yeah, if you're in, you said you're in day three, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're in day it. three now. Yeah. That game's not that long. Um, I'm like I mean, it's ten like, hours in. Yeah, you're. It's that's about half. I don't think it's a spoiler. Say it's about halfway through it. Yeah, like, um, in terms of the amount of time. Day three, you can get a ton of side shit. Yeah, the stuff opens over the course of that game. So like, day the days don't all take the same amount of yeah. time. Well, um, I sent. I sent at some point you can send your partner Kim off to do to something. To do a thing, yeah. And that's what I did on yep. okay. the third day. So I don't know if that's what you did, but yep. I think I ended up doing that on the second day, actually. I but, did that on the second day as well. But, well, but it, was, I, it, it took about until like 10 sure. p.m. on the second day for me to yeah. get that body down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. The, um, the, yeah. That's so interesting. You're, yeah. So you're going through day three without Kim? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is interesting. interesting. That's interesting. I'd like to see how well, that yeah, plays no, out. So I just got the body down. I, I've been talking to the lady. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember if we've talked about Disco Elysium since yeah, I finished we, playing it. Well, I'm since not, I finished not playing since it, we finished playing it because last week we talked about our okay. our underappreciated games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had finished it the weekend before. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And uh, I finished it after. And yeah. well, maybe this week we might have some new listeners. So should we yeah. give a rundown of what the game is in case they are unaware? So have you played planes? Have you played Planescape Torment? Because it's very similar. Most, to that. Most people will probably say no. <laughs> uh, it, it's in, an isometric in, in, RPG. In, yeah, in kind of like aesthetic and slightly structured, but not really structured entirely. Yeah, yeah and Planescape had a lot of the thing. That's just I I understand why people make that comparison, and I don't think it's inaccurate. But Planescape also had a fair bit of that, like, okay, hit space bar and can command your people to fight things. Right. Like it had, it had a quite a bit of, of that infinity engine style. It's not an infinity engine game. I don't believe, but that infinity engine style, like pause and click and equip weapons and stuff like that. Whereas disco Elysium is, um, pretty is entirely devoid of that. Uh, yeah. Any, anything that any kind of conflict that you encounter is done through the same dialogue system that is operating for, Yep. You know, yep. interacting are, with the world and dialogue and everything. There are no quick time events. There is nothing particularly requiring reaction speed. Like it's all. Well, and there's, yeah. And there's no like police your character here and then tell them who to shoot. You know, like yep. it's, it's yeah, it's not that kind of game. It's, yeah. it's an, it's an adventure game in the way that you play it, but it has um, lots of dice rolls that reference mm-hmm. your character statistics. Yep. And yes. like, it has some of the best branching paths for dialogue that I've maybe seen Absolutely. in it, maybe ever yeah. seen in a game and just how much yep. it influences everything that happens around it. I I would argue, I mean, um I would say things like like Gone Home would be in my top list of favorite written video games, like the the writing in the games. Um I think Disco Elysium is like very up near the peak of that all-time list of favorite writing in games um which is really so interesting much. sorry mm-hmm. no, i was just right, going to say it's interesting say it has so much personality 
Yeah, totally. But and what I was going to say is interesting because I remember we talked about this maybe a month or two ago when you're like, hey, is anybody planning on playing Disco Elysium? And Pat's like, oh, I played that at PAX or whatever. Yeah, and, I was and put the, off and by it there. You're like, the writing seemed pretty problematic. I don't know if I'm ever going to touch it. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, like, I kind of agree with you in part, but now that I've finished it, I think the parts that have problematic writing make total sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you, you can't sit and, I can't I mean, I played that game for like a half an hour at PAX and was kind of uncomfortable because I was playing that game with people all around me and <laughs> like looking over my shoulder and stuff, you know, like, which yeah. is not a fun way to play that game. And I think that was a bad environment to play it in because, um, you know, there is a lot of, uh, uncomfortable stuff in it, but it's handles that uncomfortable stuff better than any, like better than most media period that I've encountered. Um, yeah. Including things like television and, and like in the, in the sense that like if you look at a show like the wire, the wire has a bunch of bad problematic stuff in it, but it, it confronts those things. And that's part of what makes it so good. That's, that's the, the kind of thing that disco Elysium has going on. Um, it's just incredibly smart in the way it, cause like you can play that game as like a raging racist if you want to. Um, but yeah. the game makes it very clear that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, like as the, you go down that path. Yeah, like people will treat you differently. Like it'll close entire conversation trees because people don't want to interact with you. And it'll make the game harder. Um, yeah. And not in like a fun, challenging way, in like a woof, this sucks. And it's so smart about like it never, it, it's a game about empathy in a lot of ways, but it's not a game about sympathy. Um, totally. Which is super cool because it, it helps you understand very realistic in the ways in which it helps you understand the world and people around you and their motivations for being terrible people but it's not like and so you should feel bad for them yeah like it's yeah it's like oh so what you're saying is your motivation is you're a piece of shit but i can't do anything about it because it's the real world and i can't just like it's not the witcher where i can just cut your head off like when you reveal that you're a piece of shit Yeah, it's interesting in that it's very political, but it also doesn't really take a stance on saying this is the right politic. This is whatever. Like it's very, very shades of gray. Like it's yeah. I I think that they, I think there is a moralistic compass at the core of that studio that does kind of exist within that game. I just think it's not preachy. Yeah, I don't think it's like. You know, I, I mean, they thanked Marx and Engels in their acceptance speech for awards at the Game Awards. So That's I think, yeah. you know, there there is definitely a clear um, I think that they do have a, a politic, but I don't think it preaches it to you. I think it more presents it. And to someone like me, it makes a lot of sense. And I largely agree with them about a lot of their politics, I think. But um the they don't um try to like shove it down your throat and say like this is the correct way um more as much as say present a lot of interesting themes and concepts to you and kind of let you do what you will with it yeah but anyway back to one something that andre was kind of alluding to and well more more pat i guess but um with the conversation trees and the dice rolls and stuff like that the conversation system that ends up happening is really fascinating because if you fail a dice roll, like except for one part in the game, like you can fail any dice roll and like you can still progress, things will continue. And it's actually really interesting to see how they continue if you fail that dice roll. 
Like I never really felt the need to roll back a save or save scum. Uh, there is one point where you have to. Mm, at one point that I can think of that you have to pass a dice roll, which is pretty near the end of the game. Uh, right. And if you don't, I, I think you have to basically just keep trying until you do pass it because like it's mm-hmm. a it's a gate basically. Uh, yeah. More specifically, it's a ladder. But anyways, um, so you know you know what I'm talking about, Pat. I think you need to pass yeah. that dice roll in order to actually. I think there's a couple of different dice rolls actually that you can pass. But yes, there is a point at which you have to. I think there are actually a couple points in the story where there you do have to make a check. Whether you make one or the other is kind of. It, but there are a couple points at which there's a physical thing in the environment that you're trying to interact with. And you can either interact with this physical thing or this physical thing, but you have to mm-hmm. do one of them. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like that's like, let's say to one to 2% of the entire game, like the checks that exist. So like the rest of those, like it's cool to just let it roll and see what happens. Especially if you fail yeah. one, that's like a sensitive conversation topic and you totally whiff. And it's just like, now, now you come across as a piece of shit, but like, yes, that, that happens in real life where you say something awkward and then you're like, "Well, I need to explain this, but I'm not very good at explaining it." Uh, yeah, yeah, it teaches you literally in like the opening like half hour of the game. Like, there's a dialogue option where I, and it like sets the tone where I was like, "Well, I would never say this. This is an awful thing to do to try to like take this path." And it's a really low skill check chance, but it's a video game, and I'm curious what happens if you go down this path. So I'm going to click it, and then I failed, and then the only thing you can say kind of fucking sucks. Yep. And then not only does it kind of fucking suck, but later on, it comes back and bites you in the ass further. Yep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, and it's, that, yeah, that's, it's that's, that's another really thing about, good. That's another thing about the conversation system in this that I think is awesome is you'll be presented with like let's say five options, and a couple of them make your character come across as extremely shitty. Like, as just a total piece of shit. And I never clicked on them, but I know if I did, there's a full conversation tree that way. Like, it, they explore that fully, and it's, like, fleshed out. It's also just, it does some things, like I would say that, um, it does things with characters in, like, if you told me, um, oh, there's a character that's, that uses, um, homophobic slurs frequently I would say fuck that well first of all if you told me that like six months ago I would have been like fuck that I'm not playing that game yeah um but um, I certainly would not have expected to have come around on that character and actually come to like them by the end of the game but the ways in which it portrays its characters is so smart and it makes them they're so multi-dimensional where you come to learn over the course of the game. I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but like that, that character isn't necessarily homophobic. They just grew up in a setting where that's a thing they say all the time and it's shitty. And eventually you can like have a conversation with them about it, you know, um, stuff like that. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, and I think that that stuff is really, uh, really, really smart. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Did you? I don't want to get into. There's a point later in the game, Alex, that where you encounter a couple of characters. Yes, that I know, are. Yeah, I know. one is called <laughs> "fuck the world." Yes, yes. So, uh, like that moment, I was like rolling on the the ground, practically like 
cracking did, up. Did you get the items from them that you can possibly get? Yes, and so, then I so did, did try I. to convince my partner to so, <laughs> engage in so using I. those items with me, and he refused to do so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, anyway. I, I think Kim is an extremely good foil character in that game. He's yeah. The perfect straight man I'm, to my <laughs> delusional <laughs> superstar. We'll, we'll have some spoiler talk when we finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I think I'm really kind of glad we're not doing a best new character category because oh, because Kim wins. It would be so hard in my head. Oh. Well, I don't know if Kim wins because there's a lot of good new characters yeah, this year, but he also... would certainly be. It certainly be on the ballot. <laughs> I came around on Kuno too, mm-hmm. which yeah. is to say that's one of the characters you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. And he's very abrasive. He says pretty awful shit at times. He um, does awful shit. Like he's, yep. he's the example. He's of also like a 12 year old. He's like a 12 year old that does speed all the time or 14 year old maybe, but yeah, like but he's a kid, like a drugged up kid. Um, yeah. and he's a drug dealing kid. Uh, and, and like shitty. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> and, he, he's probably the reason you were questioning the writing on this. Like at Pat. Oh yeah. Right? Because for sure. Cause he drops the homophobic, homophobic F bomb. But the thing is yep. that, and a the, lot. <laughs> yes. And the thing is that the you talked about this two weeks ago when we talked about Disco Elysium, but uh, to reiterate that um, when he's dropping those slurs, like the writers of the game know the weight of that, so they actually censor it. It's the only thing yes. that's censored in the entire game. Yeah. Which they I, censor it both in the written, in the text, and in the spoken voiceover. Yeah. Um, which is smart. I think that's that's a that's a good thing. Which yeah, which I think actually gives it the weight it deserves than if they had left it yeah. left it uncensored. And and it gives you a clear indication of like, hey, they know what they're doing when they are engaging with these. I think it's a signal to both the the weight of that particular word and also to the way that they handle topics. I mean, because there's totally. a lot of I mean, there is a character who's into phrenology. Um there is like there are characters who are like into fascism as in like openly saying they are fascists like so yeah there's a there are characters who are very openly misogynists um so like yeah and and yeah so there's a lot going on there but um i think the game does i think what's important to me and i think why it works is the game does have a moral compass and the moral compass isn't just um like resistance twitter like look how bad all these things are it's Mm -hmm. like it's like instead of looking at you and saying, do you see how bad all this is? It's standing beside you and saying, wow, this is fucked up, isn't it? Um, and I yeah. think that's really smart. Yeah. So Andre, um, what kind of character are you playing? Are you like a really strong, dumb guy or, uh, I did the, oh, the one with like oh, the inland empire. Yeah. that's what uh, I like ended up made. Yeah. That's, that's how I uh, went. Yeah. I think if and, I rerolled, that's what I would do. Uh, so, and that gives you lots of like insight into things, or you'd be like, but it's like weird insight. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's like a there's a skill called shiver, which is like yes, shivers. So cool. You, like a shiver goes up the back of your neck, and you're like, I I know things that I'm not supposed also, to know. I like how shiver is kind of an asshole when he yeah. when that system talks to you because your uh, your systems talk to you. Yeah, all of your skills have like they're all like part of your psyche and they yeah. all talk to you. Yeah. 
uh, and like the Esprit de Cops or whatever. Uh, Knowing about how cops work, yeah. It will, and but and you'll get like you'll do like a cop thing, and then like or uh, Kim will say something, but he'll say like half a sentence, and then like if your skill is high enough, you'll get like a readout. Like here's what he means. Like yeah. don't say yeah. don't say this thing because he really doesn't want you to say this thing. Yeah, yeah. That's or cool. like, or like you'll get like a flashback to like your partner yes. or like people from your precinct, like in some other meeting or like in yep. some other interaction. Those and that really stuff cool. is written so well too. Yeah. Like it's just so like, like a lamppost on a street corner flickers in the yeah. office window, blah, blah, blah. It's just like riveting the way that a lot of that stuff is written. I also love to, that game has like active skill checks that are very simple where you're, you have a, number that you're trying to hit and then you have your skill and then you roll two six-sided dice and it combines the dice with your skill and if it passes the number you win you can get bonuses from clothing you can get bonuses from having done other things and observed things yeah. gone down different conversation trees it's a cool skill check system that's very simple and super tabletopy, um and super reminiscent of modern tabletop games that don't have combat in the same way mm-hmm. um which are in my opinion some of the more interesting ones available where everything is based around the same set of dice rolls um, but, uh, if the, the other thing it has though, is those passive skill checks that happen, which are kind of like what you get from games like the outer worlds. I think that the difference here though, is that it's not selectable dialogue options. It's just, if you have, like, if you're talking to someone who's high and you have a high electrochemics, a chemistry, it'll pop up and say like, Hey, this person is probably on this or whatever. And um, at different times, uh, there's different like value in those things. Um, and what's cool is that sometimes your own skill checks will be like, Hey, you should say this, but yeah. actually saying that is not the right thing to do, even though you succeeded. Mm-hmm. And cool. I've had, you know, I've had, um, different skills, like tell me, Oh, you should say this. And then another skill pops up. is like, don't say that. That's, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it plays with that stuff sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's all been really funny to watch like this stuff play out like early on there's a thing where uh the hotel you're staying in is like you owe us a lot of money yeah uh and like the choice the choices you can make one of them oh yeah is the, that's, the, that's like the very start right yeah 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 like it's like one of the first choices you can make uh like the first conversations you have and the, like the outcome of the choice I selected was like so much more like over the top than I was expecting. Yep. Like it, cause you'll get moments where like a little scene will play out where you're out. Of, you don't have control of what's going on. You just say, okay, this is what I say. Or like, this is my action. And then something plays out. And depending on your skills, maybe that goes well, maybe it doesn't go well. And it's just so over the top and like why anyone would do that. I don't know. But then that kind of informed how I decided I was going to play. And so I'm doing like superstar cop uh, (laughs) and yeah, superstar communist cop. Um, So see, I had the star I played. I played. um, There's a whole other system in the game, the thought cabinet, which is super fascinating where you basically like, like I talked about communism a bunch of times to people and then your like internal monologue stops you and is like, Hey, you communist. And you can be like, no, or you can be like, yes, fuck. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and there's various points at which like 
you, there's, I think there's like 63 or something thoughts you can internalize. I ended up getting like eight of them over the course yeah. of one playthrough. So there's like a lot of variation. Um, you can and, see what they all are though. Mm-hmm, yeah. But and over time, things. yeah, I think it helps you kind of like try to maybe game it. If you, once you've played it a couple of times, yeah. if you're just yeah. trying to see things, um, which is nice, but, uh, what it does is like over time you internalize the thing. And then once you're done internalizing it, it literally is like in-game time that it takes to internalize it. Once you're done internalizing it, you get certain bonuses and, and um, negatives based on the thing. So like with communism, I forget the things that it gives you a minus in, but it gives you more, you get bonus experience points whenever you say a piece of like leftist dialogue. Um, And it's really, really interesting. Uh, and um, some of them are extremely funny. I was my, instead of superstar cop, I was like super sorry cop. So I was like, sorry all the time. Cause I, and I said, I kept like, I would apologize for being a massive piece of shit all the time. Uh, <laughs> and it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting cause some of those thoughts Lend like at, you get to the end of them, and there's not actually any bonus. There's nothing at the end. It's just like, oh, this is just some world building dialogue, and that's it. Yes, yeah. and it's also um, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to internalize fascism, and then <laughs> you get to the end, and I actually haven't didn't do that in my playthrough, so I don't know how that goes. But like, you get to the end. I do know that with some of them, you get to the end, and it's just like mm, you're a piece of shit. You got minuses to these things now. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, at least you worked out in your head that you're awful. Yeah, uh, totally. And it says it more elo- eloquently than that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 smart. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a- one of the ones I internalized that I thought was really interesting was uh, what's it called? The homosexual agenda. Yes, <laughs> uh, uh, which it was actually really interesting. What what it opens up to you later. Like okay. some of the story things it opens up to you later are really interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff looks bad on the surface when you hear that. Like if you hear that you can internalize a, a thought called the homosexual agenda. I, I don't that's remember like, if that's actually what it's called. I'll look at it. No, up. it's that's what it's called. Is it? I, okay. Yes. I didn't do that one, but yes, that's what it's called. But so much of it is um I don't know. It's really smart about the way it deploys all that stuff. So it it, it it's I Definitely am glad that I played it because I also am very excited for what that team does next. And I have a lot of faith in them um, to, to, to continue to like deliver really challenging, interesting experiences, which is, I think part of it is that it is something that video games are very rarely challenging in the um, like uh, intellectual sense. Um, They're they're They can often be challenging from a gameplay perspective, but there's not a lot of like, there's just a, it's just rare. I'm not saying they don't exist. There's, you could play enough intellectually rare, challenging rare games. Rare does exist. I wonder, man, imagine a rare produced Disco Elysium. There are plenty of intellectually challenging games. You could play one probably. Conquers bad Disco Elysium. Forever. Oof. But, uh, but, but I think it's exciting that this game is like one that does that and is also like pretty much perfect in all of the other ways that you expect like from like a technical and art direction and design standpoint, like literally the only problem that I had with the game was the inventory interface gets kind of crowded because you're like collecting clothes to put on over the course of the game and there's no way to sort or filter any of them. And there's no way to say like, show me all the ones that increase my empathy. 
Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a pain. Um, but otherwise that was like the only thing about the game that frustrated me at any point. Yeah. And that didn't even frustrate me that much either. Cause like, no, it was, you, wasn't you, that big a deal. You also never run out of inventory space. So no, and you, which is nice. You kind of get a feel for like, Oh, I, that's right. This thing does this. It's not like there's a lot of clothes in that game, but there aren't so many. It's not like Diablo style, like random loot. It's all very curated. So you can kind of, infer um so yeah yeah but it's a great game yeah and i have to Uh, say the ending is totally right what i would want from that game that's perfect yeah i I mean yeah so i will i will talk about anything more about that because you haven't finished we will probably spoil have to spoil the shit out of that game when that story happens for sure yeah Yeah. Uh, like Um, there's some stuff although i think all of us that would there's only one person that hasn't played it like at all and he's not. Sam's not going to listen to the spoiler talk about that game because he, he's excited to play it on PS4. He and, did play so. it, but he said it didn't work on his laptop. So right, yeah. So yeah. he wants to play it when it comes out on yeah. PS4. So yeah. I think it might end up. We may not actually end up having to spoil that much because oh, there's some <laughs> uh, stuff that uh, needs, yeah, we we'll, need to talk. We'll about. discuss it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I almost think we could uh, also just talk about that game spoilery if we want to, like a, in another. <laughs> venue yeah mm-hmm. man well uh i will say that being only nine hours in i have like had the thoughts of huh i wonder if i played this another way yeah right which i did not expect to be going like feel that strongly about it because like i went into uh what the outer worlds i was like oh i'm gonna play this as like the bad guy and then i was like this doesn't seem all that different but i'm yeah like i can feel the like i can yeah. see the ways totally like, it's if, it's definitely still was, a diamond but yeah the, the thing is but that there diamond, are like so many different ways that things yes. play out it, it doesn't really reach the other end of the diamond until like the last hour and a half and then yeah. the the diamond that you're doing up until that point is so fucking broad. Like you can do and so many things. There are things at the end. Like there is a major element of the last bit of that game oh, that yeah. changes. Yeah, we talked about drastically. It. You and I had totally different experiences yeah. with the ending. Yeah, like, like uh, so. So that so does happen. Um, even if the story was essentially the same. Yeah, like you and I yes. had totally different. It played out completely differently. The lens that you view the ending through is, and and I think you know it's also just a. Um. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I won't. I don't want to spoil anything. But it's definitely not a. It's a smart. Video games have this problem where there always has to be the like, oh, holy shit moment near <laughs> the ending of games where like everything f- goes fucking crazy and like you find out about the crazy thing. <laughs> and Disco Elysium is so much smarter about how it engages with those tropes than most games yeah um and on, it never feels oh, sensationalized um in a, in in a way that like detracts from the quality of the writing and storytelling yeah mm-hmm. and andre to your point about the outer worlds uh i think i even mentioned when we talked about outer worlds like i don't know a month ago uh that i made a save before decision points to see how the different op- options would play out and in Outer Worlds, yeah. no matter what you did, it was basically like 90-ish percent the same. The only thing that would change is like one piece of dialogue after you make the choice, and then the rest is the same. Uh, I did the same at a few points in Disco Elysium, and they were wildly different. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you go down one path and it like it takes 20 seconds. You go down this other path and it's like 20 minutes. 
Like it's it's a you're yeah. fully exploring a completely different like train of thought, and it's really They're, fascinating. Uh, there's I talked to this one lady. Uh, so in like the basement, yep. you can find like there's a fridge, and you can turn it off. Yep. And I, I did that. And then like I talked to someone else later uh, and like I was talking to them about the fridge and I was like, oh, yeah, I I did something so I could become something <laughs> like I, I killed something so I could become something I'm like, why is this even here? Why? Why does that? And like when you do the thing, uh, Kim's like, why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just like, yeah, I, it's the stuff it. The stuff it lets you say, like, is like it's oh, tr- truly bizarre with the dialogue. And it's so, I mean, it has moments of like genuine. Like, I felt every emotion playing that game for sure. Yeah. But it is so funny. Oh yeah. It's just it's so funny, and it, I say that as someone who I don't think I'm largely not interested in written co- like in comedy that is like written and thought out beforehand. Like I, I like improvisational stuff, conversational kind of comedy. Sure. That's what makes me laugh. Uh-huh. But disco Elysium is like, I can say very easily the most, the funniest game that I have ever played, like by orders of magnitude, it is just, and it does it's not to say that the whole, that the thing is a comedy because I mean, it has tragedy and, you know, really deeply touching moments and sad moments. And yeah. there's like a side thing that I did that moved me, like deeply, but it's just so funny. And it, I can't, I couldn't, the number of times that I was just sitting at my desk, like almost in tears, laughing at something was it's, it's, it's incredible for that. Yep. Uh, It's truly something special. There's a, it doesn't spoil the conversation at all, but like it has, I think my favorite piece, at least from a humor perspective of dialogue ever, which is, Talk about asses and fucking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's. I have some screenshots of some pretty funny moments too. <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we should move on from Disco. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, talked, uh, we'll be talking about it a lot in a couple of weeks. The Subway's fresh indie game of the year. <laughs> the freshest. Uh, Anyways, yeah, that's my freshest. that's my last game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, Pat, you've got you've got some not new games. Well, one of them's not out yet. Technically, <laughs> one of them is in beta point zero point one two. What hasn't this game been kicking around for like years? Yes, and it's still very early in development. Beta wise. Okay. Um. So. Uh, I think the first I'll talk about something else, though, to get to that. Um, Okay. so I've been on like kind of a shooter kick this this week um, and I've wanted to play um, stuff that's competitive. Um, Some friends and I played uh, that insurgency sandstorm game a fair bit last week, which I don't need to go into because that game is it's good. If you like if you want like a modern warfare shooter that is like leans into realism to some extent leans into realism in the concept of like low time to kill. So like you get shot a couple times. times. Um, it has the problem that a lot of those kinds of games have where like 
you never know where you're getting killed from. Uh, so, and you spend a lot of time waiting to spawn, uh, but um, uh, it's fun. Um, and so anyway, I, that made me want to play some rainbow six siege that paired with Mike Mahardy from GameSpot talking about new siege characters on the giant beast cast. Um, and anytime Mike Mahardy talks about a game, it makes me want to play it. Even if it's a game, I know I don't like that much. Um, like for example, void bastards, super did not click with me this year. Um, but Mahardy like fucking loves that game. And it made me play it for a lot longer than I normally would have because of his, uh, his like passion for it. So anyway, um, I ended up playing, um, quite a lot of siege this week. Last night it started to click. And I don't know if it's because I played a lot of it this week and finally started to understand it more, or if it's because my MMR fell low enough that now I'm getting matched with, people that are as bad at it as I am or what. <laughs> but um, last night I played for a couple hours and started to like win some games and get some kills and stuff. Um, and it, it started to get really, really, really fun. Um, but uh, have either of you, Andre, I know you've played siege and pretty immediately. I, I did not it. care for it. Yeah. Alex, have you played any of any siege before? Not siege, but I've played a lot of rainbow six. Yeah. Um, part of what is appealing to me for that game now is that it also is just like fully engaged in the GI Joe stuff. Like it's, and that's something they talked about on the beast cast. Um, but like when that game started, it was like, here's this Spetsnaz guy. You can tell he's Spetsnaz because he has a mask on, um, and, or like a fate, like a cloth face mask on. And like this woman has a hat on that says FBI, uh, and their abilities were kind of out there and they used some weird like future techie stuff, but it was still very like grounded in this person looks like a green beret. And then it started to go a little bit. They introduced um, characters from Bope, which is a uh, the the like Brazilian special police force. Um, I should also say that uh, this is a game where you play as international police killing each other, which is um, would in rainbow six world, all the police are good guys and they don't do bad things. And the bad guys are bad and the police kill the bad guys, which is not a realistic thing at all. Yes, and, especially when Ding Chavez is involved. And, um, as someone from the United States, I would say that I don't have a very positive opinion of police forces as a concept or as a reality. However, in rainbow six, I, I can suspend my disbelief and accept that the people from the Brazilian urban special police are not awful. Um, I don't know anything about them in real life. They might be terrible. Probably are. Cause most police forces are, <laughs> um, but uh, the, um, they started to go a little bit in the fantastical direction when like, there's this really cool um, woman named Kavira, um, who she has like face paint on and, um, like long fingernails and that's not really relevant to her kit, but that's how that she's cool looking. And her thing is her ability is she like gets very quiet. So you can't hear her coming and then takes out her silenced pistol and you can like, and she moves very fast so you can kill people. And then while they're down, you can like interrogate them about where the other, where their friends are. And then you get like vision on enemies for a minute. So it started to get more, a little more fantastical. Now there's a guy who lives underwater most of the time. His thing is he just, he's like kind of like a fish man. He's a man. Um, he's from Kenya 
and he's in a PMC and his character though, like lives most of his life underwater, um, which, <laughs> and not like underwater, like in an underwater base, like in the heap, like shape of water. Like he likes mm-hmm. to live in a tank, uh, <laughs> All right. which is very strange. So it's leaning into some of that, like super weird. They wear like wetsuits. There's an Australian character from this year that has a motocross helmet on. Like it's getting much more fantastical in kind of a fun way. Um, but, uh, but that game gets really fun when you start to really understand how to play it. And, um, like what, uh, the, the way the character's abilities interact is really cool. Um, and the different, the way the different weapons work is really interesting. Uh, and, it's very much also a game about like understanding and learning the maps. Uh, and it has really, really good maps, uh, really cool. Um, so yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend, uh, that game in its current form. One of the dumb things about it, and I don't understand this. Ubisoft is like terrible at selling their video games. Um, and this, they are not the only game that has this problem. Although for honor, which, you know, I've played on and off this year with some friends does it far better. So um, at this point, there are 52 operators in Rainbow Six, mm-hmm. I want to say. There's like 26 six attackers and 26 defenders. Um, the base game only comes with like 16 of them. Uh, and doesn't then doesn't seem right. That seems low. No, well, they want to get to... It seems like the total number is low. They want to get to 100, but they're, they're at like... 100 uh, total. Yeah, but, but they're at like... The the year four, I believe there's 56 characters. Um, let me tell you, it does not seem low when you're um, kitting out the weapons for 56 characters individually, <laughs> which took me like two hours on Wednesday night <laughs> to go through and put an ACOG scope on because they each have multiple guns. So to go through and put an ACOG scope on like 100 different guns was not fun. Um, I don't know what the solution is in, in theory. What would be, what it would be is you would have been playing all along. So you'd be unlocking those characters as they come out and then putting the weapons on them. So I can't fault the game for that. What I can fault the game for. So I purchased the game, um, on steam, like not that short, like pretty shortly after it came out, like it came out and it was kind of a mess. And then once they first got it fixed, I picked it up because I'm a big rainbow six fan. Like I played the old rainbow six games all the time. So, um, I was like really excited to play it as soon as I heard it was good. So I bought it. It was like, they had like dropped the price to 40 bucks or something and started to really turn it around. So then, um, I put it down cause I was bad at it. And at the time felt like the reason I was bad at it is because of Twitch skill that I was never going to learn. Turns out it's far more about knowing where to look. It's not really a twitchy game. It can be, but it's, you don't have to be super, super, super good at like Counter-Strike to be good at it. So then I came back to it with some friends who wanted to check it out. And I bought the year one operator pack that comes with like the first set of added characters from that first year. And that was like 20 bucks or something like that. Um, so every year they do a pass that this year. No, this was like last year. Okay. Um, Every year they do a pass. So when at the time at which I bought it, they were into year three, I think. Mm -hmm. But I just bought the first year of characters because I was like, this is enough for me to play with for now. Um, Even though there were a bunch more that I didn't have. 
So this week I was like, well, the Steam winter sale started. Uplay is also doing a sale on their launcher for, for the winter. So that now would be the time because I have played like a good 12 hours of the game this week or whatever I should. And I'm clearly enjoying it. So I should pick up these operators. So you can buy an ultimate edition on Steam that comes with everything for about 40 bucks, which is a fantastic deal right now. It's normally a hundred dollars. It's on sale. Anyone who knows they're going to like the game and doesn't have it yet, totally buy it. In fact, buy it. Even if you're not sure, play it for, for an hour and then refund it. If you don't like it, um, if you already own the game, you cannot purchase that, <laughs> uh, because of how steam works. They do not sell the year two and three bundle that comes in that ultimate edition on its own. There is no way to purchase it on its own on steam. Um, you can in the game, the only way to get the year two operators, if you already own the game on steam is to purchase the year two bundle within the rainbow six client that you do using siege points, which are like the, in the, the paid currency um, it, it's just like league. It has like a paid and a free currency for character unlocks. You can grind out the characters with the free currency, but I don't play it enough to be able to do that. So especially not for as many characters as there are. So you could buy the year two bundle, which costs $20 in siege credits. If you want the year three characters, which come in a bundle in the ultimate edition on steam that you can't buy separately. You, if you already own the game, you have to buy each of the year three characters individually which is like pretty expensive because <laughs> they're designed to be sold as a pass, not really as individual characters. So the pricing is like each one is like five bucks and there's like eight of them. So it gets expensive. Um, and, but good news, if you want the newest characters in year four, you can get the year four pass on both steam and Uplay on sale for $17 right now. Ultimately what I ended up doing and what you can do is you can purchase the ultimate edition of the game on Uplay, even if you already own it on Steam and Uplay. You're technically paying for <laughs> the base game. I, I technically paid for the base game and season one characters again because they're included in the ultimate edition. And I did not get a key to like share those to someone else, but it still was way cheaper to do that and get the year two and three characters plus the year four characters than it would have been to kit it out and buy it individually. But the whole thing is fucking stupid. Why you can't just say some of the year two characters in a bundle, year three characters in a bundle and the year four characters in the bundle is beyond me considering that they sold them all as bundles while they were being released. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. Uh, like digital, like digital sales stuff has come a long way in like this generation of consoles uh, from basically being barely a thing, the last gen, like it was a thing, but it was not great really. And then now this, this generation things have gotten better, but there are still weird things like that where it's just like, why can't you just make this make sense? You, you're so flexible in like what you can put up and pricing and cause you're not, you're working with like one party 
and not having to do with like a ton of different retail stuff. What's so weird is that for honor has the exact same model. They release fewer characters for for honor because Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I mean, people who play a lot of fighting games would probably say it's blasphemy, but it's, it's closer to a fighting game than, um, than, than anything else really. Um, and, but for honor does the same thing. And yet like a few months ago when my friends and I were into it, there happened to be a sale and I picked up the, I had the year one for honor pass. I picked up the year two bundle and the year, this is, I think year three for, for honor. Maybe it's year four. I don't remember, but I picked up all the bundles individually on sale for like between eight and $15 each or something. Um, and it worked. It just was, it was fine. There was no, I, I, I like bought them all through Uplay, and there was no like confusing stuff about it. It was just like, Hey, here's a bundle you want for, that's what it was. There's the year two bundle and then the marching fire expansion. Cause for that year, they just did a big expansion instead of a, a rollout of characters. Cause they introduced a whole new faction. Um, and then there's the current bundle. Uh, and you can just, you can just buy them. They're just, you don't have to do a dumb like buy the ultimate edition on sale and not get every con piece of content from it because as like gifts and so I don't know it's dumb what what if what they wanted was for you to sign up for Uplay plus I mean maybe but why would they offer that for for honor and not for siege uh I don't know that's what's confusing. Uh, well, also, never mind because Rainbow Six Siege. Oh no, yeah, Ultimate for Year Four Edition is uh is on. I would Uplay hope. Plus, I would hope so, it's in that. Yeah, um, it's, there's a lot of Tom Clancy. It's hard to read the list. Okay, a lot of there's like there's a lot of Clants. Also, Siege is listed under Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege in Steam, and it's like painful to me because I go to clip like, wait, where's Rainbow Six? Oh, right. It's under T. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stupid. But yeah, but Tom Clance, do not besmirch the, the Clance. <laughs> while uh, while I totally understand why anyone would bounce off of uh, Siege, because it is kind of a weird acquired thing. I, I also think it's a cool game and uh, totally worth checking out if you are looking for kind of a hardcore shooter. Um and uh, also a shooter that's like pretty cerebral too. Um, that's the, that's the other thing. Uh, and it starts to get real fun once you start to feel confident enough on the maps to like not sit in the corner of a room and point your gun in one direction. And instead, you're like, mm, I bet they're going to come around. I heard an explosion in there, which means they're probably going through this barricade. So I can probably flank them if I go up the stairs and then come down this window. That's when it starts to get like, oh, this is the game. The game is. Mm-hmm. figuring out where they are and then setting up flanks and stuff. It's, and it gets super, super, super cool and entertaining. Um, so yes, highly recommend that. And that kind of, that interest in wanting to play like super tactical sort of low time to kill stuff, uh, combined with, um, seeing, uh, Khalif from spawn on me talking about, uh, a, game that I had heard of, but didn't know like anything about called escape from Tarkov led to me, um, picking that game up. Um, and that game is fucking weird. Um, it's like very Eastern Europe, uh, 
both in its setting and in the team that makes it is super Eastern European mm. in ways where uh, they're Developed both by a Russian studio. So yes, in ways where they're both like very committed to delivering a incredibly like tight, well, like, ex- like interesting experience, but also they seem like maybe they might be kind of shitty uh, <laughs> in the ways in which they deal with um, particularly people who are critical of them. Uh, so, you know, if you're very much like YouTubers rights, which I guess I can respect there, they have had clashes with members of their content creation community. Um, but at the same time, one thing that I thought was interesting is this is a game that's like in beta. And, and like I was saying, it's in like 0.12 beta. Um, and yet if you, like go on the subreddit for the game. It is extremely positive. Like everyone loves, seems to love it. The big criticism people had of it was when they had their kind of PR disaster last year, which was tied to people found something in some code that seemed to imply that it was like leaking data, um, not to the government, just like just exposing it like passwords and stuff. But it wasn't true. Like it wasn't actually borne out at all. There was no data breaches that were really occurring. And but but like it was sort of got conspiracy theory ish where people were like, this is happening and they're not telling us about it. And like and and so a YouTuber made some videos talking about like, oh, they're bad with data privacy. And um, the developer claims that that was false and there was no evidence to back it up. So they DMCA the videos because they were like, this is false information and it's hurting sales of the game. And so we need, it needs to come down. I don't really have an opinion on it because I don't like YouTube. uh, (laughs) And like, I don't know anything about that content creator. So I don't know what the, the tone of that stuff was. I don't really have an interest in pursuing it, but they're kind of a weird team. I could definitely see people saying like, Hey, I don't want to support this. So, uh, Totally fair. Um, What that game is, though, like it's kind of a mystery because it's when you look up stuff about it, it's all like, oh, this is the most hardcore shooter ever made. And it's not on Steam. So you have to go buy it like through their website. And to do that, you have to like register for an account, put in two factor, then go to purchase it and then put in two factor again. And then it takes like 10 minutes to validate to your account that you purchased it. <laughs> and so it's, like, it's a weird process, even purchasing that game, but it's actually super fucking cool. Um, and a really unique thing where you're, it's kind of, I kind of had assumed that it was like a stick and rock game. That's kind of what I thought it was based on what little oh, I had heard. Oh no, it is not that at all though. No, uh, it is, um, kind of an MMO in some respects, but not a contiguous world. It is like you have a character and your character progresses down a leveling path. And, um, in the most recent patch, they added a whole like hideout system where you're like, you can build up a shooting range. You can build a Bitcoin farm in your hideout. Like you can build 
a bunch of shit, which it's not clear to me yet if the Bitcoin farm actually farms real Bitcoin or not. <laughs> that <laughs> like, wouldn't be surprising. I, I can't tell if it's just like, I think it might just be like passive income for your character, but mm. it also might actually farm Bitcoin. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, uh, you have like, so you start with this character and you have a set of equipment and what you do is go on what you is go on raids is what they're called. Anytime you load into the game, you're on a raid. Uh, and a raid is there's currently seven maps ranging in size. Um, but like they're big. Uh, even the smallest one is, is like a big fucking map and big and every, every door is enterable. There's lots of buildings. Like it's a really dense map of stuff. Um, so you go into these maps and when you're on the map, it's a lot like PUBG. Uh, you are moving through the environment. You choose what equipment you have stashed that you want to take in with you. So that's a little different than PUBG because there is power advantage um, and you can fucking straight up buy versions of the game that give you better shit at the start. So <laughs> there is certainly a kind of weirdness there. Um, but uh, apparently the tactic among most players is you can upgrade the edition of the game that you have and they wipe your progress all the time. So you like when that goes, the game goes on sale. Most people like bump up to the next edition of the game. Uh, anyway, weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, And it's not like it's a cheap game. The base game is like 40 bucks. Uh, But um, so you go in these maps and it's like kind of like PUBG. You're um, interacting with like crates and stuff. It has what weird stuff. Like when you open a crate, it's not like you just see the interface is very similar to PUBG. So um, so you're saying it's similar to PUBG or similar to Arma? I would say it's more similar to PUBG. Okay. Um, the ways in which you can control the how you move are more like Arma. Like you scroll your mouse wheel to determine your walk speed. Uh, you can sure. crouch at different rates. So you can like hold the C button down and roll the wheel to be at different levels of crouched. There's like 10 different degrees of crouching you can do. Or you can just hit C and crouch the yeah. full amount quickly. That does sound, um, that does sound Arma-esque. <laughs> yes. There's proning. Um, the weapons... The thing I don't like about Arma is I don't like how the guns feel, even though I they have a good ballistics model. I don't enjoy them. That is not the case in this game. The guns in this game are fucking incredible. Like, holy shit. The, when they have, like, they're hard to use, but they feel like, they feel like each part of the gun is like a moving part that operates. And I should say, I hate guns in real life. But video game guns, I, I I like the way that they're handled in different games. And in this game, it's like they're they're really well animated and they feel very realistic, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, and so Sim- that's the big difference with, I guess. yes, yeah. that's the big difference with Arma and not simulated in a super janky like, ah, fuck, all these physics things are happening. They feel like, it, it feels like it works really well. It feels very, very polished um, in the ways that the combat works. Um, and, but like when you like open a chest, it'll be like, at first you won't see anything in the little inventory window. 
And then you'll slowly start to see like silhouettes appear. And the idea is like your character is going through the chest, <laughs> seeing Why? the finding the, and then you have to right click the stuff and examine it to actually see what it is. Oh, so you'll be God. able to see like, Oh, this is shaped like a magazine. So it's probably ammunition, but I don't know what kind of ammunition it is yet. <laughs> so you right click and examine it. And then, so it's like that, that sounds tedious. And that happens. <laughs> it kind of is, but it's also designed in such a way that, you know, if you're a solo player, you're very, you can be very exposed while you're examining stuff and picking it up. Um, and you can put it in your inventory and examine it later. So you can always like grab it and then go look at it. Mm. But inventory space is at a premium because um, another big aspect of the game is if you die, when you, you lose everything that you have on you, except for the stuff that you put in a special little case that is pretty small. Mm. Um, so you're not going to be putting like guns in there. You're going to be putting like money that you got and stuff. When you die, how often is it for you to get teabagged? Uh, so I haven't played with players yet. Oh, um, okay. The other thing is that the maps are populated by both players and AI scavengers called scabs. Um, and the AI is not particularly smart, but it can be pretty troubling. Like I had one, I've been playing in the offline mode, which you can do to kind of practice. Um, it's like nothing you don't get anything from the offline mode, but you don't lose anything either. So you can kind of explore the maps and try the combat out and stuff without gaining or losing anything. And I was getting my ass kicked by the AI, even though they're not super smart, just because I have like garbage stuff right now. Um, so there's also like a whole set of the, the goal is you load into these maps and then you run around, you collect loot and kind of get hopefully better stuff that you, than what you came in with. And then you go to an extraction point and there is a time limit. So you, but they're long. So it's like an hour. So like you can't spend more than an hour on the map. You're probably only going to do it for 20 minutes though, because you're going to run in, you're going to fight a couple scavengers. They usually have like pretty shitty equipment, um, but it's decent. If you're just starting, you might encounter a player and you know, like PUBG and other games that has proximity voice chat, you could kind of link up with the player and say, cause you can um, sort of squat up with friends, but there's no specific differentiation. Like when you squat up with friends, it just makes you spawn together and you're presumably chatting with each other. It's, you could still shoot your friend. It like the PVP is all hot all the time. Um, so you can shoot a player from across a parking lot and then go take their stuff. And maybe you had a shitty uh, sniper rifle, but they didn't have head armor on and you got a headshot and they had like a really good assault rifle. And now you have the really good assault rifle. And now you need to extract because you got this really good assault rifle. Hmm. Um, sounds like the dark and zone. because yeah, it is. It's like the dark zone, but way more brutal and yeah. way more interesting. Um, and then the, on top of that, there's a whole set of traders that you when you're not in a map, you can like sell stuff to them and buy stuff from them. And they there's straight oh. up money. And then there's also a bartering system. Traders. I thought, you meant yeah, trait, not trade, not trade tours, but <laughs> traders. And they have missions for you, too, which is really where the kind of like it's not just go in and get better loot. It's also like this mission. You have a mission to go into this map kill five scavs and bring back two shotguns. And so you do get goals and the goals escalate into like, there are like raid bosses in the game and stuff. 
um, where you have to like fight a really hard NPC enemy for certain missions. Um, and it's really, really interesting. And like you level up and get like skill points. I don't know how the skill systems work. Um, cause I don't think it's straight up just like gives you better damage or something. I think it's more like you get more things available and then you look and, um, so every gun in the game, uh, is made up of parts. So like you start with like a base and then there's like 15 parts of each gun and you can take it apart and sell the parts individually. And you can like fully equip guns like and not just change like the scope that's on them you can change like the receiver and like the trigger and stuff (laughs) so when you take the gun apart it's like 20 different pieces in your inventory and there's like one piece that is like the base but again it's not the base like it's an assault rifle if you just equip the base without the parts on it like i don't think you can equip the base because it's literally just like the handle (laughs) and then you're putting all these different parts on that all look different and have different like properties. And then you can like save gun builds. Uh, it's just wild. I I'm like kind of blown away at the depth of the thing, but it's also a thing where that depth is like, you could also spend two hours getting all the parts to make your perfect build. And then, you load into the map and get shot in five minutes and someone takes that gun away from you <laughs> and then you never get it. <laughs> so it's, that sounds it's more like, sounds like Daisy at that point too. So yeah, you can tell yeah, where they got their yeah. influences from. Yeah. I don't know. I'm f- very fascinated to see it. Like, and they're, they're at like, Oh, dot one, two. And at this point it seems like a pretty fleshed out game. Um, there's still no ending like in eventually the idea is that you, you can escape from Tarkov. (laughs) Um, (sighs) like you can, you can go down all the mission paths and, and do a final like escape mission. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wild game. If you, if you're into military Sims, I think it's interesting to check out. Uh, and again, I've only played it a little bit offline. Um, and gotten fucking wrecked every time I loaded in, uh, (laughs) by AI, but, um, it uh, it seems like the community really like loves the game too. It doesn't you like a lot of games. Uh, if you drop in on the community, there'll be like complaint posts mixed with good things, even for games that people really like. But this game, I scrolled through the, that subreddit for a while and it was all like, check out this awesome build. I really love the way that this thing works. Um, it, so yeah, it's, it's, it seems pretty cool. cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, that I've known about that game for a while and it has always sounded like a, like insurmountable nightmare of a game. Yeah. And I may in, end up coming like, away with that. Opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you know, it sounds like you're enjoying it and like, I, I can totally see where people would enjoy it. Like, especially with, you know, games like Arma, Daisy, that kind of thing. But uh, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, I know <laughs> I'm enjoying poking at it for sure. Uh, I, yeah. I know what kind of shooter you're wanting to play, Andre. Uh, the, the one you have been playing. 
Uh, yeah, the, uh, Destiny 2 started their second uh, Battle Pass uh, season of Dawn, uh, like last like, week, I think. This is the like, second week. Like Dawn Rickles? Uh, no, no. Uh, like the, the sun. Like night is, night is darkest before the Dawn Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, regular, regular old sun rising dawn. Um, gotcha. Not hanging dawn. And <laughs> sorry. Season of dong. That'd be season of dong. That'll get me to go back. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting that you have, um, kind of continued to play that game. Cause like I was very hot on finishing forsaken in the beginning of shadow keep and mm-hmm. then very quickly fell off of shadow keep and kind of not just because I was playing other things also because I was like, I'm not, I was sold on this when they talked about it, but now doing it, I'm not sure if I liked it, like it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that you seemed less sold on it. Oh, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? This is stupid. And now you seem really into it. So Uh, (laughs) I think it's interesting. I have, I have played a lot of it. I played a lot today, Uh, but that's like, I've played a lot like recently because uh, I've been playing with my friends back home. Uh, and so like, they're just getting back into it now with uh, this season. Uh, Cause they didn't play last season. They haven't touched it since like my, my one friend hasn't didn't play any of the year one DLC. He played like the base game and that was it. Uh, so we've been going through and doing like a lot of old stuff, like catching up on quests we haven't done. And so, you know, it's fun to have a, like yeah. a three person fire team and go through and do the stuff. Normally yeah. when I play this game, I'm playing completely solo and then matchmaking for strikes or whatever. You know, so it's been fun to do that. Yeah. Uh, right now they have the season or no, what is it? So it's the season of Dawn, but then they've got like their year end, like holiday event, which is uh, the dawning and the donging. The donging. Uh, and this is where like the, I think we posted in our chat, there's like the Destiny 2 recipe book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is where I think the recipes come from, because what you're doing for the season or the the dawning, the festival, the dawning. Yeah, the dawning is you're going around and you're giving all of like the NPCs uh, baked goods. And each NPC NPC has their own individual baked good that you give them like uh, Zavala, the Titan uh guy who gives you strike bounties he gets uh gowler doodles fucking what are, is that like a snickerdoodle but but a gowler horn yeah. from destiny one okay yeah uh so so yeah they've got like stupid punny names uh for like all the baked goods and you get the ingredients for the baked goods by killing enemies in the world so you kill like some cabal and you get cabal oil or like get ether ether crane for, I don't know what that even means from like fall or from fall on and stuff like that. So, and then like the kind of weapon you use will impact other ingredients. So like if you use a sword, you get like a sharp taste as an ingredient or what? like, oh, that's so per- dumb. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's real silly. That's great. Uh, yeah. It's just like, so depending on how you kill enemies and what enemies you kill, you get different ingredients. And there's like 48 recipes or something. Huh. Uh, so, and yeah. I, and then if you 
if you can if you make all the recipes then you can make your oven better so then it takes less ingredients so you can make more and then you get like you get stuff from the people for giving them baked goods but multiple times uh yeah that sounds um, bizarre <laughs> it it is it is really odd like the last one they did um for like the halloween time was festival of the lost and that's just here's a like a like a repeatable activity to do where you just like run through this like haunted forest where it's really dark and you're like on a time limit and you got to kill stuff and try and do it like go through like nine different like stages but this is just go out do your normal stuff but then you got an oven in your inventory and you can use the oven to make gowler doodles to give to, to, to zavala it's it's very odd to me not in a bad way but the way that destiny does they're like there's so much dumb stuff in the seasonal events oh yeah <laughs> and it's so funny because like the game is so serious most of the time and i don't yeah. it's a weird clash it's not a bad thing but it's a it's a weird like juxtaposition yeah uh i i like I'm not super into like the whole, Oh, the lore. And like, I have no idea what's going on half the time. Um, but like they had St. 14, uh, came back who was like in the lore, yeah, like a little yeah. bit. That's cool. And, I am into the lore. That's the thing yeah. I like most about destiny. <laughs> well, uh, so they did, they're doing a real crazy thing. Uh, I guess minor spoiler for the season of Dawn, whatever the minor story stuff they're doing. But, um, so the whole setup is Osiris uh, set up, like try to do like some time travel shenanigans to save his friend, St. 14, mm-hmm. who is a, an old guardian, mm-hmm. uh, but he was never able to do it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so he has this thing called the sundial. And now like the cabal are using the sundial to try and re rehash the events of destiny Two, like the main campaign to, and to make it go in their favor and like mm. reshape time cool uh but so he's like so you're doing like quests for osiris and he's like oh hey you found this thing that like we'll make a shotgun so go do some quests and then we can build the shotgun then you make the shotgun he's like what the hell this this has your id on it and it's from but it's saint 14 shotgun what what and he's like i don't know go use the old sundial that i used to try and find saint 14 and then you go find saint 14 and then you give him the shotgun and then he uses that shotgun to fight his way back through time, not back through, just to survive the entire time and then show up in the present and then just like show up at the tower and be like, yo, what up? That's cool. Thanks for that shotgun. Yeah, that's very cool. Oops. Sorry about that. So <laughs> got an alarm. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> The phone's like, oh man, that sounds awesome. It's it's real weird. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Does does Don Cheadle do any voices in it? Oh shoot, I'll be right back. Uh, Don Cheadle, uh, I don't think so. Not Don. Is Don Rickles, Don Cheadle. No, Don Cheadle uh, got actually uh, wanted more money, so they replaced him with uh, Terrence Howard. Oh no, Terrence Howard. <laughs> ha ha ha. That's ha, a that's ha. a. That's a joke for you, Iron Man One fans. That movie was Terrence fine. Howard. Terrence Howard was uh, was the guy in Iron Man One, but then he wanted more money, so in Iron Man Two, they replaced Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle. Yeah, 
<laughs> Marvel jokes. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, Destiny Two. It's good. It's good playing with friends, uh, and then like getting finishing like up for the night and doing one last strike and going. Okay, I just completed like four quests and bounties at that time. I can feel good about logging off. Yeah, and uh, oh, we did or last week. We did like a hidden quest kind of thing, mm. uh, which. You had to like go find all these things hidden about in like lost sectors and like weird areas like hidden in corners. And then you go and you go into the basement of a of the farm and there's a fallen there. And then he's like, oh, come with me. And he takes you to the old tower that got destroyed at the beginning of the game. And then you're going through and you're crawling through grates and you're having like some minor shootouts and then you're doing like some kind of raid stuff like um, there's platforming challenges and like puzzles to solve and you, you're on a 20 minute time limit. And then at the end you get a cool gun. So that was neat to do. Do they surface but, that in any way or is that something you had to read, read about like externally? Uh, my friends found out about it. I don't know how they found out about it. Like there's a, I, lo- I know about some of the secret destiny stuff like whisper of the worm and things like that. But I had no idea about this quest. I had no idea how they found it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like you had to go in like some room that isn't the, like there's a closed door and you don't get a like prompt to interact with it, I think. And then you go in that room and then you have to pick up a thing. And then there's just like it doesn't direct you to any of this. You just have to like explore and find it. I don't know how people did it. Yeah. That's that's like I don't particularly care about Destiny. I didn't play Destiny two. Don't really intend to. Yeah. But as an outside observer, that aspect of Destiny always seems like the best part of it. Like stuff that's hidden yeah. and like the weird, like like the raids and stuff like that. Like all that kind of crap is just fascinating. I think some of my struggle with that stuff. I agree that it's fascinating. The problem is that to like to take part, like. I don't want to participate in finding it. Yeah. But I also don't just want to look up a guide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I want to find it on my own. Yeah. But you're never going to find it on your own unless you're working with other people. Like I, I think there's part of it is like, I like for the thing I did, I didn't look up a guide for like how to do the uh, jumping stuff. My friends like spent, my friends stayed up to like 5 AM, like the night before doing it. I don't know if they did it with somebody or they just did it together. I don't know how they would have done it. Just the two of them. Cause yeah. like we got, they did, they finished with like nine seconds with three of us. We finished with like 45 seconds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like going through the actual activities and like not knowing what to do, I think is good, but doing like the weird, obtuse like world stuff i'm like i'm fine looking up okay how do i get to this cool thing yeah and i it's more of just a me problem where like i think what it is is what i want is a game to deliver that experience organically to me yeah and but be a little less hard maybe (laughs) i don't know like hard to figure it out i mean i mean yeah but it's not a problem with destiny because they're building it for a community so different things like this like the uh the black armory stuff where they had like four forges and like they had to solve puzzles to unlock each forge and with the yeah. last one the puzzle was so difficult that no one could figure it out right so Bungie just had to be like, all right we're just gonna unlock it for you does does it reference don quixote at all you know it might there i think there's there, probably, there's a don probably some reference there's somewhere. probably some windmills somewhere i don't know <laughs> 
there was like there's like <laughs> obscure French poetry in like the solutions to like some of these puzzles. Like you have to go online, read Wikipedia entries, and like uh, I don't know. They're they're on some weird shit over there at Bungie, uh, and you know uh, they're making an interesting game. I think the thing for that's brought me around on destiny is the fact that there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there now, really is. Because like in like base destiny two, I was, I got bored cause there was only, it was so easy to like burn through all that content pretty quickly. And like, if you don't want to repeat everything constantly, then it's just no good. Uh, but so you can do stuff until you get bored and then move on to the next thing. Uh, yeah. But if you don't want, if you don't want, uh, so as long as you're into the various things that are there, uh, there's enough to keep you going for a while in like Crucible and Gambit and uh, like strikes and stuff. I and think qu- just general quests. I think I struggle with it because it feels like there's too much almost, um, yeah. and it feels like I like playing that game and I like doing the individual things. And I like grinding up the power level of things and getting the engrams and stuff. I find that enjoyable, but it's also like, it's very daunting to open it up and <gasps> go like, Oh, there's a hundred levels of this season pass. Daunting. So I'm going to have to play a lot of this. Oh God. Uh, Dauntless. <laughs> <laughs> so like as if by comparison, um, Dauntless is like a much more focused game. So I find the, the hunt pass stuff. I haven't done one for a couple months, mm-hmm. um, but I find the hunt pass stuff in that game a lot more like attainable because it's like, Oh, you just do the hunts you need to do normally with some modifiers on basically. Yeah. Um, and you're getting points for the hunt pass and I'm not saying that it's better, but it's like, mm-hmm. it feels a lot more like manageable. Whereas when I log into destiny, it's like, Okay, I got like I've got these ten exotic weapon quests that I could work on, mm-hmm. and then I've also could do my weeklies, and then also I still haven't finished Shadowkeep yet. And there's this yep. seasonal event thing that I could work on too. And yeah. I heard about this new weird thing, and it's great yeah. because people who are going to play that game as their main game mm-hmm. and are going to play there's it always, twenty thirty hours yeah, a week, new stuff, yeah. always new stuff for them. But as someone who wants to bounce around between games and look at it as yep. something to kind of fill in gaps and like jump on and have fun with when I open it up and I feel like I can't, it's like, I feel like there's so much, I can't get anything done with a couple mm-hmm. hours of playtime in a week. But um, yeah. also from outside of perspective, that sounds like exactly what people were asking for. Cause like, it sounded like totally base destiny two and base well, destiny one as well. We're so just thin sparse. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's totally better for that community for that to be the way yeah. it is. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's just, it's more selfish feeling, but it I, is yeah. like, I do wish that it was easier to parse that stuff. Like, I wish that there was like a you could flip a switch that's like give me the casual version of the director where it says here's mm-hmm. the stuff you really want to do if you're only going to play an hour a week and yeah. a advanced like here's everything version mm-hmm. of the director. I, I think the weird thing is like I I have someone who played I didn't play Forsaken I and like I absolutely didn't ring everything out of the game before that. Mm-hmm. So I'm still like doing quests that I'm doing like the rat King quest. Totally. Yeah. Same. The, same. This, you know, cause yeah. I, I didn't have anyone to play with, so I didn't, I wasn't like going around in a fire team. So I wasn't just knocking well, that stuff off. And I did some of those things, but like for a lot of those yeah. exotics, it's a good four or five hour 
yeah. quests to get them. So, you know, I probably did like five of them over mm-hmm. the early, but there's like 25 exotics in the base game. So yeah. like <laughs> yeah, there's a so, lot of stuff to, to yeah, do. A, exactly. So, and like, and like these people who are playing destiny every day, like they must have, you know, most of the stuff done, uh, most of the quests and whatnot. And then they roll out a few things here and there, but I don't know. I don't know if there's still enough content, but I guess like World of Warcraft is kind of the same way. I think there's never enough content for everyone. I think that there are people yeah. who can, for whatever reason, they're able to just sit and play the game for, you know, hours and hours and hours yeah. and hours and hours a day. And you're never going to be able to make a thing that they don't crack within the first week that they don't yeah. like level out of within the first week. And I think that like, Bungie is smart because it seems like they're tuning the game for people that are in the middle of that curve where they are not the super casual. They are not the super ridiculously hardcore. Not that there isn't stuff for them, but um, they're doing like, like in some ways, I don't know. Warframe's pretty good about the way that it, it presents things for Mm -hmm. you to do, but sometimes Warframe feels like it's tilted even further towards the hardcore player than destiny is. Um, and I think that they're just both, both the kind of developers that are really good at seeing where their fan base, where the bulk of their fan base lies within that, like hardcore to casual. I don't like using those. I'm not saying it in a derogatory way no, <laughs> in either direction as someone who is, I am on the casual side for destiny. Um, they're, they're both like Bungie's very good. And so is digital extremes at tuning where they put the content on that spectrum, I think. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a, it's a good game. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel much better about it than I did when like earlier this year when shadow keep was coming out and I was like, what are they doing with the, like the switch to free to play? But I think they're actually in a pretty good spot. Yeah. I think I, I haven't tried like the onboarding stuff and I'm still not sure how I feel about their, burying the uh legacy content but you know uh, if people are happy then that's all that matters i guess yeah they just need a voice pack using don king oh god no no replace replace all of the crucible stuff with don rickles don Cheadle, don king i'd be fine with don Cheadle. i like don Cheadle. don Cheadle's great don king you missed my you missed my great joke about terrence howard <laughs> God. Uh anyway. Uh there no news to talk about this week really. Uh things have been quiet. It, I think we mentioned holiday season uh and all the people are going there no one's going to pay attention to news this week. Let's Which would make it the perfect time I feel like to put some news out if you oh, were like, to like really if, yeah. Or if you were like a, a smaller team, like a mid-sized yeah. team if and and you're like like if you were going to enter like if Obsidian was going to announce like a new I mean they're a AAA team with Microsoft now, but like yeah. like like if you were going to announce like a sequel to Alpha Protocol now would be the perfect time to do it like that kind uh, you'd, of a you'd have a to project. do i feel like you'd have to do it earlier in the week because like the first oh yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, get to yeah. the end of the week but for sure. yes you're you are right uh there actually is one thing that i do want to bring up that we talked about the uh xbox series x yep. last week uh when it was announced uh at the game awards but there's been a 
sentiment or like line going around that I want to kind of get your pick your brain about. Uh, a lot of people are just saying, so it's a PC about the the new Xbox. Sure. And I, I just I don't know what to make of that because well, it, the PS4 it and doesn't seem like it. PS4 and yeah. Xbox One are also just PCs. Like, yeah, yeah it, I, th- I think it, it is and it isn't. The, 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 like, thing, the thing about it is, is that it's a PC, but it's extremely constrained. So any developer yes. who's developing for it knows exactly yeah. what's in every box so yep. they can optimize it yeah. for that specific hardware. Yeah. It, yeah. There, there have been like tons of people like, Oh, so it's a PC. Like, I, yeah. But, it is. And but that's also good. no, <laughs> like, like, yeah, but it not any more than, than, it seems like it's coming across in a, well, why wouldn't you just get a PC then kind of way? Well, uh, which is, I, I don't know. It seems very dismissive. And I've actually been like, thinking about it a lot too, because now I have a PS4 Pro mm-hmm. sitting on my desk, plugged into the same monitor that my PC is plugged into. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, for example, I have uh, Dark Souls on both of them now, which is something I kind of have been playing in, in downtime. Um, and I am enjoying it far more on PS4 than I have on mm. PC. And I have it all fixed and everything. Like I have the remastered edition, which on PC mm. is fine. Um, same experience more or less, but there is something about the simplicity of being able to hold down one button on a controller and then lo- be loaded into the game. Basically like mm-hmm. that, that's still something that a PC doesn't replicate. Um, yeah. Like the, even if you have it on an SSD, like my computer, my OS is on an SSD, it boots in like five seconds, but I still have to open steam. And then it's still, I still have to look at the store page for some stuff. Like the store page pops up and, and the recent news pops up. And so I click through that and then like, usually there's updates for things. So I have to figure out if I'm playing a game that, you know, I don't want it to bleed out all my bandwidth necessarily so i might have to pause the update while i go to launch something and then i usually have to log into a launcher even though i'm launching it through steam and like you know a perfect example is i'm playing mac warrior 5 which i'm hoping to wrap up and get a review done for this week um or this coming week and um i'm enjoying the game reasonably uh but like every day it's had an update which is good because i want them to update it because one of the issues that it has is it's you know got some technical stuff so great but like it's frustrating to get home from work and have three hours and then it needs like a 1.2 gigabyte update and the epic store is ass at updating things so it goes really slow when and consoles just don't have that problem so much because mm. so much is unified it, not, I, depend, depends have problem. <laughs> like i haven't I, had that problem with a console and probably it, three years but it took sure. me like maybe 20 minutes to download a four gigabyte patch for destiny 2 and about an hour to install it See, my, like. I it happens overnight while it's in rest mode i, I don't know why that still happens to people because like in both of the consoles that i use the xbox one x and the, this ps4 pro it always is installing updates when it's i think resting. for destiny the first the first time it when it downloaded it was because I hadn't played in a long time, so it like wasn't. It does prioritize downloading yeah, things exactly. for games that yeah yeah. So so but like today it took like 
half an hour to do whatever the newest patch was just that sucks. to, and maybe ins- that to is install most, like the copying process. Maybe that is most people's experience. But for yeah. me, having been playing games on PS4, I've not seen that happen. I haven't waited, have to had to wait for something mm-hmm. to install once. And even if you do, it's one interface that's doing the install. It's not fucking like launching the Epic store and, Steam is mm-hmm. hitting the hard drive and I didn't notice that. So that's why it's taking so long for this mm-hmm. thing on Epic to install. Like I still love my PC, of course, like I'm yeah. looking at getting a new video card. I love to, to play PC games, but I think there is a contrast um, between the two. And I, and I don't think it's fair to just say like, Oh, console's yeah. just a PC. Yeah. Like there, there's, I mean, you, they're, they're good for different things. The thing is like you, a PC I mean, with an operating system, be it Windows or Mac or what, like OS X, whatever Linux. If you're using Ubuntu or something, they're kind of a jack of all trades. Like you yeah. are using your internet browser to, like, I don't know, watch kitty cat videos, etc., and also type emails, and then you're switching to your uh, OBS to stream the latest episode of Gaming Fix. Totally, and you're doing all this shit, and also it's playing games. Like, and yes, it's good at all of those things, but it's. The, the interface, the UI, the UX is all designed to do all that stuff. Uh, but a console experience is very curated. It's very like, you push this button to watch your Netflix, you push this button to play your video game, and it just does it. Let me tell you about Steam OS. Yeah, there is that, and big picture mode and all that. But Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's just a weird thing where everyone's like, it's just a PC. No, it's it's no, it's it's, it's not going to be that different from what we're currently doing. It is just a PC, but it's a different OS. It's a it's a gaming centric OS. Yeah, so Uh, and and proprietary. I I mean, yeah, it's going to be probably more locked down in a way than this generation, even like in some ways with like uh, as far as like customization. Because like at least the with, way the hard yeah yeah with the hard drives assuming they're NVMe yep. or yeah. whatever maybe Sony's doing a proprietary like weird cartridge thing, <laughs> um, um, who knows? But it, it, that I mean, stuff it, is it it seems weird that people are like oh it's just a yeah, PC it is weird it cuts both ways too with gaming because like I'm able to play I, I the thing I've settled on to play Mac Warriors I'm using a throttle and my mouse because I I find. Um, my joystick is just better suited for flight sims because it's what's called a hallway joystick. So it's like very good at doing either a roll or a pitch adjustment, but mm. it's not super like you can do diagonals, but it doesn't like it's got two springs in it, basically one for forward and back and one for left and right. So it'll register a diagonal input, but it's not as it doesn't feel smooth, um, which doesn't work as well for Mac warrior. Cause you, you're doing it's you want more like a mouse like interface. Um, so anyway, I'm using a throttle and mouse and I had to add, edit config files to get all of that stuff to work together correctly. And while it should just be baked into the game, the fact of the matter is that it's not. And like their solution is, hey, go map your HOTAS throttle in a config file. If it were a game on console and I plugged in my, my throttle and it just didn't register. Too bad. I'm playing with a controller, which is not the way I want mm-hmm. to play that game. Um, and so like certain games just fare better on PC because of the way that you can access elements of yeah. the, the game's file structure. Um, whether it's to do a config, you know, like league of legends, I have, I basically have Dota plus for league of legends because I have a program called blitz that like 
gives you build orders and stuff for um for characters and since i don't i'm a scrub at that game it's really useful for me um and that game that that program is very simple to use you wouldn't be able to do it on a console because you can't install like a third-party software that reads that like does screen recognition or i don't know if it does screen recognition or if it's looking at it's probably API. something in a hard drive. Yeah. It could, yeah. I mean, it could be their API. I don't know, but at any rate, that's just not a thing that happens for console games. Um, yeah. So they're just different platforms, and I want my custom Beat Saber songs on PS4. Yeah, you cannot <laughs> install Cheat Engine on a PS4. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Is it, there are still like Game Genie esque Game Shark things like for sale really? in Japanese game oh, stores. Okay. Yeah. But like, for like old systems, no, no, for PS4 huh. weird. and like it's yeah, like, I've, I think cool. I've only seen for PS4, but so mem- memory yeah, modifiers I, for PS4. That's neat. I guess I have no Ooh. idea. What, that sounds not, dangerous. Is it, is it like a USB it. stick or something? I have. It just it comes in like a jewel case kind of thing. Uh, like not like you know like a it comes in like a Blu-ray case. Uh, you put the disc in and it mods your PS4 and it says you I, can't connect to PSN anymore otherwise you're in trouble. Yeah, I, I, they sell them in like the big electronic stores so I have no idea. Uh, I have not I've not investigated. Uh, maybe I will make that a feature on the site. Yeah, when you upgrade to a PS5 uh, turn your PS4 into a burner and just like install a mod chip in there. There we go. Uh, well, now I have to buy a PS5 so we can do this at launch. Yep. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, <laughs> darn, I have to buy a PS5. Uh, poor me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was all. It's just like, I, yeah, I don't know why people are, people who should know better uh, are saying that stuff. But, uh, <sighs> people like weird. to jump on weird bandwagons. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's all the, there's all the weird sizing stuff about series X two, where like some size charts are like, Oh, this is pretty reasonable. And then I saw one, like we made a styrofoam model and they made it and it was like eight inches square and then like 13 inches long. And I was like, what this, that is not, they basically like made this huge brick. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to be that big. Oh. Eight, eight inches is a little. It was like it, two PS4 like, pros stacked on top of each other, I, which I mean, that's that would that would fit in my entertainment system. Whereas I do not know if an Xbox Series X would fit. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think it will. I think because the they've point, made they said they made the controller smaller, right? Just yes. Like point like three percent smaller or yes. something. So I think it would fit, but it would be as tight as it could possibly be. I guess my point is, I think that speculating about all that shit is a waste of time because like it, what does it matter? It's all they, it's all they, I I mean, if it doesn't fit in my entertainment system, then that matters. I mean, I'm probably not going to buy one. You're not going to buy one anyway, but, but, but that's the, there are other people who would, who conceivably have, I guess uh, my, a similar entertainment. My feeling is anyone who wants an Xbox one or Xbox series X, is going to buy it and like, sure. Not they're going to go on a PC next to their TV. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. They're going to go, they're going to go, Oh, it doesn't fit in my entertainment center. And then they're going to figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to stop anyone from buying it. Yeah. Xbox they're going to buy it. They're going to return it and buy a PS five. Just like when that thing released when they announced the price and it's like $550 and people were like, there's no way, there's no way that they can compete at that price. 
the thing's going to sell the fuck out on I mean, week they one. Be, it'll be fine. And uh, it will continue to be hard to get into the new year. And, like, I don't know. It, I think it, yeah. that there's a lot of, like, speculation on, like, price, size, launch lineup. Is there going to be open? Like, are they going to continue to have cross-platform play and stuff? And while I do agree that that stuff matters once Could it's you all on the table. If they stop having cross-platform they play? Won't. But once all that stuff is on the table, it definitely is a comparative decision to make between the two consoles. But when there's nothing to compare it to, and there's no like real information about those things. It's just, a uh, just, just chill out. Yeah. Just enjoy the holidays. Like <laughs> we're going to know by March what, yep. what Sony's doing Yeah. by E3. We're going to know the price of those things. Also just don't, just don't worry about it. Don't stress. Yeah. We got enough stress like, about <laughs> people are like, Oh, they know this price. It's going to sell like poop and like, um, it's going to be the end for Microsoft. No, like the thing is, they don't make their money on the hardware. Hell no. Like they're making all their money on software. So, and, well, but also they they course corrected real hard after they changed leadership yeah, and, there. So, and, and yeah, and they're like to continue on that one. Like they're uh, along with their course correction and making all their money from software. You know, Xbox is on PC now, so yeah. it's pretty yeah. safe to and, assume that. Anything that comes to the Xbox Series X is also going to come to PC. And it's uh, and I should be clear too when I'm talking about like chill out. I mean like getting into arguments over it. Oh, I'm yeah, not saying true. speculating isn't fun. Speculating is is certainly a fun oh, yeah, thing totally. to do. But uh, but but more the like and I don't even mean like we've had conversations about it, like debated about it a little bit in in our chat. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like pretty heated arguments that I have seen on places on the internet in comment sections and stuff, which I know are always trash, but like on the internet, what this is the weirdest thing to be toxic about, in my opinion, arguing about how big the Xbox is. (laughs) It's like girl, girl, it's eight inches around and 13 inches long. Let me show you this. I mean, that's, but that was also the thing they led with was like, here's what it looks like. And you go, what the fuck? You go, what the fuck? That's a cool looking console. I, it, that's what you it do. Does, I don't, it doesn't look bad. Uh, it's uh, not cheese grater, that's uh, for except sure. For, uh, except for people who have uh, trypophobia. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's, uh, tech, in, tech is not being kind to that. No. You, that man, specific phobia you might, recently. You, like, how did they not do uh, like a 2001 a Space Odyssey like the monolith kind of, thing with the monkeys. The, well, I think that's a little on the nose. They kind of did. did, but yeah. But they they should have they should have done like that the music. and then and that. But no, they should have had the monkeys like around the Xbox. That would be a bit much. <laughs> it, I think it, it they, would be a bit much. Launching sh- with it, ancestors it would have been great. Uh, also, I so I finally watched that clip and I was like, this this just looks like a Death Stranding trailer. Oh or something. yeah, totally. With, like yeah. like the. A wave going out looks like the thing that you send out from the Odra deck. Yeah. Uh, and like that, it looked like timefall coming down and like uh, stuff getting old really fast and the yes. rocky like landscapes. Yeah. Like, this is Death Stranding 2. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then there was a, yeah, then there was there a was. Halo man and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I think kind of going back to the price thing, um, I think that they know exactly what different pricing is going to do at this point. Like mm-hmm. not that they can't, I don't think they're infallible, but I think that they're very aware that 
Sony, if Sony puts out a $400 console and they put out a $500 console, that it is going to be easier for Sony to sell that console to people. Like obviously a hundred dollar price difference makes it easier to sell the thing. Yeah. Um, I I don't know that like if they're as similar as like rumors and leaks suggest, then I, I feel like Microsoft could easily go we're going 400 just to like, to prevent that from happening. I think they could. I think whether or not they do, though, will be a conscious decision, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and if, they've if got they're the willing one. to take less yeah. of a hit then because uh, the way I look at it is like maybe they take less of a hit and say, well, you know, if you want to play the games natively in your living room, then you pay the 500 yeah. or, hey, we're making money on software energy anyway. Pick up Game Pass for your PC that you already have. That's moderately powerful or. Um, start you can stream games with Game Pass to your phone, or but you yeah, can they, stream games to your PC. They also sensibly have whatever we've been lovingly called the Series S. I am less convinced that that's going to come out next year. Oh, next year, I don't think no, so. But like, I, I kind of thought they'd launch side by side, but I don't think so. Yeah, like, and I think without the cheaper model to compare it to at launch. An expensive box is still an expensive box. Yeah, but I think eventually, even if it's a year later, they they will have a model that's like way more accessible and you know probably more internet based. So I still think the play is that they don't take too much of a hit on the Series X. I think that, I mean, frankly, you can go buy a perfectly good Android phone that will run a lot, like run any app you want to run and will work as a phone for calling and messaging for like $400 and people still buy thousand dollar iPhones. So I think that Microsoft is trying to push to move the, the console space in that direction. Um, and I think that they're fine with being the like premium brand and the, the customers that they lose, they'll make up in selling them X cloud stuff. Um, And so that's, I just think that's the, and then I think they will put out a, a more affordable console. That's probably lower priced than the PS five to kind of compensate for that. That is going to be mainly a streaming box that'll run like Xbox one games or whatever. You mean an Xbox one? Actually, what I mean is I think they'll put out a modified version of an Xbox one X for a really affordable price point. Um, Cause they seem like they want to, the biggest thing they have, and this comes, I, I've noticed this talking to friends too. Like when I went to go play board games this week, uh, the group, about five other people, the group was all like, Oh, what did, what did you think of the game awards? And, and unanimously, they were all like that Xbox announcement fucking sucked. Hmm. And I was like, Whoa, what? I think that's, that console looks great. And they're like, it doesn't make any sense. No one's going to understand what, what the series X is like. That's, that's stupid. They should have called it something else. And, so I think that they might want to move away from the like Xbox one brand being a thing pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and kind of get those things on sh- off the shelves and have their Xbox series X and whatever the other series is. Um, so that would be the smart thing to do. I agree. Especially if you have the Xbox one X and the Xbox series X. Yeah, then that's what that's, they were saying, yeah. and I was like, I hadn't really thought about it that way because in me, in in my I, mind, there's such a clear delineation. I mean, it was it was Nintendo did the same yeah, thing the with the Wii and the Wii U, and it was a problem. I, it was, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, I think 
my argument is that the series X is selling to enthusiasts who already know the difference. Like they were saying like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. mom goes in to buy that for their kid. And I was like, don't worry. The $500 price tag is just going <laughs> to stop the mom from buying that. For their but, kid. but also <laughs> not really the point. I, I think it might work against their favor. If you know, the one X drops significantly in price and the mom is like, Oh, that one's cheaper. It looks the same. I'm going to get that. And then the kid's like, well, now I can't play Xbox series X games. Fuck. That's why I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to try to aggressively move Xbox ones. Uh, Cause I mean, next holiday, it doesn't matter anyway, right? Moms aren't buying it next holiday. No. It's like super mm-hmm. enthusiasts or so, anyone, any mom who is no, will know yes. which one they're getting. So I think 2020 and, and I hate to use the term mom, by the way, too. That's kind of parent parent. Yeah. That's a uh, guardian. guardian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> parent or guardian mom or dad. Don Rickles, uh, brother or uncle or <laughs> grandparent. Um, but, but the, the uh, less savvy shopper, by the time they're selling to them, there won't be an Xbox one on the shelf anymore. There'll be the series S that'll be all over. It'll say like, Hey, you can play these things if you have a good internet connection. Um, or you can play all of these, this great library yeah. of existing titles from the X from Xbox's past natively. Um, yeah. And I think Xbox is probably hoping, Microsoft's probably hoping that by that point, game streaming is going to be enough of a like household thing that mm-hmm. it'll make sense to people to like kind of average consumers if it says it's a primarily game streaming for the new generation of games. I think everyone assumes that when like a console launches or whatever, that everyone who is going to buy them is just like your average person. And yeah. it's not it's no. all enthusiast people yes. who are lining up or who are dropping, you know, five hundred dollars on a thing that's unproven. Yeah, yeah. totally. And that's so. and 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 that's why they don't overproduce. That's why they seem to have supply issues, is because they're producing for a smaller audience to start to build buzz and then they ramp up production so that they can produce them cheaper and then the margin gets better. Like yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's definitely or you're Nintendo and you go, holy shit, we didn't, we, we did not. Yeah. Properly. I mean, I think Nintendo hopefully has learned by now that they're kind of an outlier in that really we're yeah. talking about. Well, but I mean, after the Wii U, they were like, uh, okay. Yeah. Right. They had a weird. Like, yeah. So then they had to let, you know, they're like, okay, we got to like figure this out. And yeah, but there um, is some of that, like, you know, artificial scarcity a little yeah. bit, but also at some point you're leaving money on the table. Totally. And I, I bet you too, to kind of, put a cap on that, like the whole like series S versus series X. The other thing that I suspect, if you look at like the PS4 right now and the, and the, and the Xbox one, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, um, let's look at AI. So AI really by all accounts, a great game. And, um, it is available on like all of the consoles. I think, do you know if that's true, Alex? Uh, I don't know if it's on Xbox. Maybe let's say hypothetically, it doesn't really matter for this, for this, thought experiment sure. that, not on xbox that, that game could <laughs> that game could probably now it's probably not optimized for it but it looks like that game could probably run on a pretty wide range of hardware sure like i don't know if it could run on a ps3 but my guess no would be that if microsoft put out a super heavy box and a sort of xbox one x equivalent box there's going to be a lot of games like that next generation that could run on like less powerful hardware. So I think that like they would be very poised to take advantage of like, e- of 
and you know, to go back to the just a PC thing, you can probably, you're probably going to be able to run halo infinite on PC hardware. That is not as powerful as what's in a series X yeah. Yeah. and but it'll scale. I, I, yeah. I think it scaling is like, everything is predicated on that though, because if suddenly you're having games that do not run on the lower system, like, like you're locking people out from playing games because they have the series S like then that's not a good solution. Like that's kind of the argument, or that's the worry people were having when the PS4 Pro launched. Was like, oh, are there going to be PS4 almost, Pro only games? I almost wonder if the. I mean, because I think the problem is that there kind of are. I mean, <laughs> there aren't, but Control's a PS4 Pro only game. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. At least when it launched, yeah, ask Allison. Let's be honest. Um, and and that fucking sucks. But it's also like a reality. So I almost wonder if if Microsoft would be smart to say to developers, look, we have this lower tier box. It's going to stream anything. You can play any game on it. If you are willing to use it, use game streaming to do it. Um, you are free to target both SKUs or the more powerful one. And it's very clear on the box. There is a series X only or whatever thing that it says. I mm, I don't think that will hold if they want to like maintain just the Xbox so, name going forward. And I guess I think if if that's the case and they can't do that, I don't actually think there's a Series S because I don't think they can say, "Look at this fucking crazy looking Hellblade trailer," and I don't think that scales down to a to lower hardware than what they're than like a Series X kind of. Like, uh, it'll it'll have to because, like you said, for like PC stuff. Yeah, and if if, if that scaling means you know the X is 4K and the S is 1080P or 1440P, then yeah. like as long as it's still if plays, they can do it like that, but it seems like there's CPU and um and and like memory stuff tied to a lot of what is supposed to make these games exciting and new. I guess what I'm saying is. I go back to my old to my to my issue from earlier in the year where if if it really does just scale down to an Xbox One X, why the fuck are we doing new consoles? <laughs> like, I mean, that's kind of uh, that's kind of been the thing for like the past couple. Well, this generation in particular, I think, was where we really started seeing diminishing returns with regards to visuals and that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. like by the end of the PS3, stuff was looking about as good as like most PS4 games. Like, look at The Last of Us on PS3. Like. That doesn't mm-hmm, look yeah. that much worse than a PS4 game. I guess what I'm saying is I think for consoles, for the next generation of consoles to be interesting, um, and maybe the answer is it's an Xbox One X with a with a with an NVMe drive in it, mm-hmm. and so that's the differentiator. Uh, but and it, well, it seems like they're doubling down on all the things that we were talking about earlier with like convenience of the consoles. Yeah, or at least that's what it kind of sounds but, like. Talking about like, oh, you can suspend like five games at once. Yeah. But know? the other thing though that I was that that seems to be the talk. They talked a little bit about it on the bombcast this week, and Jeff Gersman kind of did a little bit of hand tipping, and it sounded like a big part of what makes this new generation excited. And this is the thing that's now exciting me about a new generation is. There's CPU stuff that these machines can do with sure. the way that with the kind of cycles that they're running and yeah. with the way it uses virtual memory and stuff that is not possible on current generation hardware in, in like any yeah. respect, unless you have like super high end PC. Um, 
and that it is really exciting for developers to be able to do like actually new things in the space that can't be done currently, not just a visual fidelity upgrade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, we and I think that's important. We could, we could have a yeah. long talk about that, but like it, the, the, the TLDR yeah, I, version, so we don't go on for another four hours, is like when it comes to development right now, if you were to look at it, getting a CPU or something. Intel wins for the moment, just in terms of power and all that kind of stuff, like without getting into TDPs, etc. Uh, but I imagine that more cores, more threads, like more concurrency in about two years is going to be the thing that gets you the most performance. Because yeah. right now, sure. like yeah. like multi-threading is used a little bit, but it's not optimized. But now that the new consoles are going to be multi-threaded, like you're going to see PC games going that way too. And I guess it's yeah. just my point is just I wonder if you can put out a cheaper box that can still achieve all that stuff. Um, I mean, if it's ba- so, if it's based on the same architecture and designed with that in mind, then like, of course, you know, everything scaled down. It's not going to be, you know, if it says this console is capable of 1080p 60. No, like it can stream 4K, it can output 4K, but it's not gonna like it's gonna up-res, it's not gonna do native 4K, but you know, you'll get you know similar stuff or whatever. Then I I think we won't run into a an instance of like Shadow of Mordor where that came yeah. out on current con- current consoles and then it came out later on the last gen with uh the Nemesis system ripped out because yeah. it just couldn't do it which sounds like uh, on not those. the way to play that game yeah uh but yeah that that system was that game so uh yeah yeah it'll be interesting I, for sure to see yeah. where that goes and i think a lot of this has to do with why there won't be um a second skew at it'll least be, until 2021 yeah uh, I, it, it won't launch with two skews that would be confusing and, and maybe the, the answer is that it won't come out in 2021 either is that 2020 2020 is the series X like launch. And then 2021 is the year where they sell the more average consumer on the series X and Sony's just selling a PS five. So they'll just sell a PS five and then 2021 uh, or 2022 is when like the series S comes out. Cause now it's cheap enough to put those CPUs and those hard drives in a cheaper box and they just take Maybe. the GPU hit and then, then you can do it. Um, although I don't know at a certain point when you put, out of if you can put out a 1080p box anymore without people going ooh 1080p um cuz like well, yeah. yeah i don't know i feel like if you said to me like last year oh we put out a console that'll run all these games at 60 fps at 720 i would have been like no but, like 720 had like a very small window and sure. like 1080p would like most people on computers are probably still on 1080p. Like, I am. I don't have a 4K monitor. Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, most right now, TVs it's fine. Now, the TVs you buy are like, you can get like a cheap 4K TV. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm saying in two years, though, I don't know what that landscape is going to look like. We'll see. I don't know. It's hard to speculate. I mean, I mean, if you say, hey, this will play games at 1080p 60, you can stream that. Like, it'll upscale to 4K, but. Yeah. Uh, like you know you can stream 4k games you can watch netflix 4k but you know games 1080p 60 uh is it'll be do that then i think you're like that'll be fine and like you know for the people who want the cheaper console if they know it's directed at like hey this is for people who don't want like the crazy expensive box 
And if they're, you know, if they're delineating that, like it'd be the same thing as the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S. It's yeah. just they're, you know, a lot of whole different SKUs. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It's still, you know, eleven months till we're we're seeing the fruits of mm-hmm. these conversations. Uh, we'll, you know, uh, get at me, uh, Phil Spencer. I've got ideas. Me too. Uh, would love to do but, lunch, Phil. I uh, Pat does live closer. I do. Yeah, and I live. You know, I could I could get my car and drive to Phil's house right now. Um, that's a threat. That's 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 going to be the episode <laughs> title, so that he can track you down. Uh, I, don't, I don't know Phil's address, and I don't want it. <laughs> no, but Phil wants Phil wants yours. Uh, He's got it. Unfortunately for me, <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for episode one hundred and one of uh, Gaming Fix. Man, can you believe it? Episode five, we made it. Uh, thanks for joining me, Alex. Where can people find you? Uh, I don't know. I'm in Mambo number five somewhere or other. Okay. Uh, Pat, where can people find you? You can find me at PJC Plays, dying in a field from scavs. Word. And or uh, in a safe house from terrorists, I guess. Don't pick your scavs. Uh, you uh, can find me. Uh, oh. No, never mind. Uh, never mind. Never okay. Mind. Okay. You can play uh, as a scav fi- too. That's the thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at coolslaw c o o l s l four w. You can find uh, gaming fix on Twitter at fix podcasts, uh, where uh, you can enter our holiday game giveaway. Uh, the details on how to enter are on there. Like I said, uh, running until February, <laughs> not February, December, uh, whew, December 23rd, 11 59 wow. PM uh, Pacific standard. Time. Yes. Uh, yes. Pacific time. Uh, so enter that <laughs> or email us at gaming at fix.space and tell us what your uh, what you think the most underappreciated game of the 2010s is or a picture of Jeff Keeley's butt. Yep. And we'll get you entered that way too. Uh, or just send us like your thoughts, comments, what do you think also, is going to happen with the next generation? It of has to be a real Jeff Keeley's butt picture. I don't want like some weird source filmmaker like <laughs> Because like he's in Death Stranding, right? So Jeff Keeley's butt dog. Don't you can send that to Alex's personal email. I don't want to receive Alex emails. at fix.space. I don't want to receive emails of like the Jeff Keeley model from Death Stranding doing stuff. Ooh, uh, I don't know. I wonder if they've pulled um, that out yet. You could get him doing a lot of stuff. It's yeah, not on PC yet. No, but if you listen to this in a yeah. year, also don't do that. <laughs> It's almost 2020 unless it's man unless g-man is also involved you mean jeff man <laughs> no 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 that's not what i mean <laughs> no no jeff man okay. i don't want to see any source filmmaker jeff stuff <laughs> that makes All one right. of us well, yeah <laughs> i know what alex wants to oh. see he wants to see don rickles source filmmaker Taking stuff a- yeah, taking a Please. taking a dump just like Sam from Death Stranding, and then it just plays like Toy Story sounds when he sits down. How fast do you think they're gonna remove the the screen, like the door? Oh, immediately yeah. when PC comes out. <laughs> immediately, uh, uh, you're gonna see all of Sam. Oh man, they're gonna disconnect the the camera when he's peeing. Yep. 
Oh man. Get ready. All right. Well, it, it's coming. Eight inches around. You've got like six months or we something. We can finally answer whether he's jerking it or pooping. 13 when, inches long. When you, when you, cranking when it. you, not you jerking use, it. Sorry, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you use the bathroom sitting. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Gaming Fix. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and remember, the night is darkest before the dawn rickles. Good night. <laughs> Good night.